information. Yes, pretty, pretty good information. And now we're starting the recording right after that's not available. I just told you where Nicolas Cage hid the buried treasure, and now we start. Technically, I can still pull that beginning from Twitch, which is what I like about Twitch, because they record for you to keep it for 14 days. But the recording is that so that when I get it from, while I'm doing it, I don't have to download it from Twitch to upload it to YouTube. I just straight up upload it to YouTube. So, so, so those, all those things, things I just submitted to and are still somewhere living still somewhere, live on the internet. Yeah, yeah, no, don't mention, because I think when I, when I graphically detailed the murder plot against uh, the 25th president that I had planned. Yeah, okay, we'll keep that up. Yeah. The 25th president. Yeah, 25th. Yeah, I was going to travel back in time. You know how when people are like, if I go back in time and kill Hitler, I would kill, I don't know who the 25th, James Buchanan? I don't know who he, uh, I'm just naming Random presidents. Is now. that even uh, the president, Buchanan? I, he, he was, was a president. president. He, he was, was one of the presidents somewhere in there. I should have paid attention to history class, but Aubrey Lutz was wearing this really low-cut shirt that day, and so I, I, I know shit all about the presidents. In history class, I used to have the hottest girl in school sit across from us because we were like in a U shape. And she would always wear these tiny shorts and just lean back. And I'd be like, oh, my goodness, woman, close your legs, you're flashing us. All yeah, the people on this side. And that's, that's, there's something instinctive about guys. guys. We, we had the same, when I, and it's so young that it starts in us. I remember in elementary school, <clears throat> we had to sit crisscross applesauce. And this was like, we were in first grade, but there was one girl who was the hottest girl in class. Listen, again, this is sixth grade. We're all like six, or sorry, first grade. We're all six-year-olds. There was one girl who always wore skirts. How do you know this is the hottest girl in class when you're Because we all agreed. We're like, she's really cute. Karina was a really cute. And so guys would literally fight to sit across from her because we had to sit crisscross applesauce when she wore dresses. And there's this like instinctive pervertedness that even existed in six-year-old children where we're like, I don't know why, but I want to see her panties. I think, I think, I think and there we should have gone over the rules because one of them is, remember this would be online forever. Yeah, no, this is, I, I talk about way worse. This is, and there was, this, it was like all of the guys would fight, so it was a very weird, it was supposed to be a circle, but it was like a semicircle with all the crowded, perverted little six-year-old boys. Did you know, this, women are like, oh man, I wish I know what was going on in guys' heads. No, you don't want to know. Because even when we were in elementary school, we just had them. We didn't understand it, but there was just these vile, horrific thoughts going. Well, at least, at least you can, you can, you have other people who are involved in it, so they can vouch. Be like, yeah, you know, what else could we have done? You know, yeah, well, it was, I mean, we could have done so many better things. We didn't, we didn't know. But that's there's something. There's just something wrong with men. We can. I think most people won't agree with that. From from the time we're small children, there's something wrong with us. We're very violent. I know that. Because I'm watching yeah. my kids. I have two kids. I have a three-year-old. And I'm sorry. Or do you, do you like, like him? Kind of. I'm, I'm mostly sorry. <laughs> no, no, of course I do. I love my kids. I got two boys. But, like, from a very young age, it's like to see what he, what my son was attracted to. Just, like, automatically attracted to, to you know, to more violent-ish games. The more violent, the better. But, yeah, he gets scared easily when it comes down to, like, other things. So, it's like, okay, well... You love playing these shooting games, but when you watch a scary movie, you're all like, yeah, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> but, like, just, it's interesting when I'm watching him grow up, just what he, you know, would be attracted to more, and how easily his mind was also influenced by outside sources. Yeah. It's like, oh, this other kid likes that, and now I like it. Like, well, why do you like it? Well, because it's cool. Well, why is it cool? Because he likes it. Okay, but what do you think about it? And it's just, he, he thinks, thinks whatever the commercials, commercials in between the cartoons, cartoons tell him. 
I'm just, well, there's no more commercials now. <laughs> on YouTube. Is the, he thinks whatever the, the 15 second skippable ad tells him. Yeah. Um, I haven't even done the intro yet. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Yeah, was, yeah. Um, welcome to another episode of the UNG Odyssey podcast. Today, uh, we have, I have, I'm sorry, my co host couldn't make it. Oh, um, okay. I have a, he's the G in UNG. He's dumb. Um, he couldn't make it. He works and works on the weekends, but. One of those losers with an income? income. <laughs> yeah. Having a paycheck every Friday. Oh, what's that like? I don't know. Why are you just smiling at me like that? Um, anyway, uh, today we have the very, very experienced, probably the most experienced comic I've had on my podcast, except for Butch Lord. Um, Butch Lord, run, he like uh, he doesn't run, but like he helps the highest uh, comic clubs here. Does he, does he handle booking? I'm just... I, I, the, the number one question in comedy is always, who books that? that? Is that the Booker actually is you can uh, Ryan Perio, which I can uh, link you up with him if you want to. Also Ryan Perio, and then also the owner, and his name is oh man, I should not fade on his name. Yeah, yeah no, this is a good time. Remember, this is online forever. Randy, this is online Randy, forever. Randy, very cool guy. Um, they they're the ones who. Um, Pretty much choose the lineup for. I think Randy's the one who officially picks who comes in, as far as like from out of town, the comics to come yeah. to headline. Um, and Ryan Perio, he's the guy who kind of like chooses which one of those comics are ready to go to the next level and start emceeing, um, and then maybe like you know uh, featuring acts also. Yeah. A lot of clubs will have that, where they have like a national booker who handles incoming talent, and then also a local talent production, which I was I was surprised, this is my first month to Texas, uh, I was surprised how incredibly beautiful Hyenas is, like just, even even aesthetically, so it was, it's a very well put together club, but just the physically, like you walk into uh, a lot of comedy clubs, and they're in like the middle of a strip mall, in between like a check cashing place and a nail salon, and like you walk in, and it's basically they just tossed up some curtains and like a fake brick wall, but like, like heading into hyenas, hyenas, I was like, like they're they're, they're really. I think it kind of reminded me um, the attention to detail at, was, was like the same level that you get at like uh, like Brad Garrett's comedy club mm-hmm. in, in Vegas. And so like I did not expect to be in Fort Worth, Texas, and to see what I would consider in in a list production level um, of, of a club. So that place is is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, uh, they have three here. They have Dallas, Plano, and Fort Worth. Um, probably Fort Worth though is the nicest one. Plano's cool, and so Dallas is cool. I like it. It's still, um, the one in Dallas is kind of in like a mallish type. There's a movie theater around the corner, uh, but it's not like not like strip mall to where you know you'll see like the donuts owned by the Asians down the street or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, down, there's like one of the signs in Korean. Yeah. Like, okay. um, they're still in very they're in very good locations, um, but I would say Fort Worth is probably the coolest one, the best looking one, and also has like the just like the aura of it. No, and you, and people weren't on their cell phones during the show because you can't get service down there. So. Oh yeah, I, know. <laughs> I like I, I had to keep walking out of the room and be like, I gotta check my Facebook ads. Uh, okay, oh no, I gotta go all the way upstairs. Yeah. Did I even yeah. say your name? Did I say Colin I, Williams? Colin I don't know. Williams, yeah, man, it's on the podcast, the crappy little UNG podcast that I throw here. That I've been doing for almost the whole time since I started doing comedy. Um, Which I don't. How long is that? Uh, a year and six to eight months, I believe. Okay, so that's consistent. Yeah, yeah. Time I, did, I, I get took a, feel. a little break over the summer because I had my kids. And once again, I'm so sorry about that. I mean, there'll be good material later on. But, yeah. 
No, I, of course I came up with material while they were there. I had nothing else to do but, you know, think of what, what can I make funny about this whole situation. Yeah. Okay, um, listen, you little shithead. Do one more thing. Do one more thing. I need a closer. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, you know, I took them uh, to different different parks and whatnot and, you know, got to interact with them and, you know, just saw how they're doing things. And my youngest one, the two, year, two and a half, three-year-old, he's pretty wild, man. He is... Can they walk and talk? I don't know children well. I try to he avoid can, them. He can, yeah, he can, he can walk. He talks not very well, but, you know, he's getting there. But, like, one of the weirdest things is, like, how stubborn he is. He's very stubborn. And, like, he would ask for something and give it to him. And he'd be like, no. Like, what do you, what do you mean, no? You just asked me for it. You said yes. Now that's in front of you. You don't want it. And the main reason is because he didn't like the fact that I opened everything for him. So, did, did you ever just give it to him, close, and then just watch his frustrated little ass just, like, try to open it for four hours? <laughs> I did. I gave, him, I, would, I gave him a high C with a straw. I was like, you do it then. He's all like, Because that's, yeah. that's some good Snapchat and Instagram content right there. Just the child just, no! But then he gets mad and he throws it away. There you go, yeah. Oh, man. Not, let, let them, like, this is why I don't babysit, because I'd be like, let them starve. <laughs> so, well, okay, one of the funny things, my cousin uh, would watch him for me while I was at work. And and my cousin's like a big dude, and, and most kids are scared of him because he's just the, he's just a big scary, oddy tattooed, bald, just rough looking guy. And but he but my son, he's like I've never had to deal with a kid like most kids are scared of me. He's like but your son would just stare me in the eye and just take whatever food he had and just crush it and just like just do it like that and just look at me. And he was like man. I hope creepy. I hope you know only you can prevent a future school shooting at this point in time. You've got <laughs> that's like signs of a sociopath. Oh, but I, I kind of I kind of disciplined him out of that a little bit. You know, I don't want to, but sometimes I have to put my foot down. Be like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna handle, settle for this. You, know? you can't be acting like this around me or when you're with me. So, um, but then he went back to his mom. And he was back to doing it all over. Like with me, I do not let them touch my phone. I just well, there's sensitive content on there. I assume you have a girlfriend who sends you, who who I assume also has a camera phone. <laughs> I know I have a girlfriend with a camera phone, that, and I don't well, open my I Google have a Photos. Special camcorder for that one. That's a, <laughs> that's <laughs> we got an HD 4K with slow mo on there. It's 3D. No, it's just, it's just like I don't like the fact that he would that he wants to just be on a phone the whole time. So I was like, no, you're not going to be on the phone the whole time. Oh, we're gonna interact. Time. We're gonna do stuff. We're gonna walk around. And uh, but then he goes over there. He's right back doing it too on her on baby mom's phone. And and she'll tell me that oh he had the phone. He's like I'm just like why do you let him control your phone like that? You need your phone for one. I'm trying to talk to my other son who's older. And I'm trying to message you to see when we can communicate to make sure that you're not working. But you know her fat her phone's always dying. Or what I call. He put, he he'll send me to the voice. He rejected by yes. her kid. Dad's oh. ruining my race. Dad, Can I win this asphalt nine? YouTube yeah. video and whatnot. Oh man. Anyway. Um, okay. So I can get so off track. So just re- reel me back in whenever. Oh, no, dude, I totally in. do that. That's what this podcast is all about. That's why. I, okay. What? Yeah. I should probably. What is the podcast about? It's well, it's comedy based podcast, and I usually. I like to sit down and talk to the comedians I work with because I want to get to know them uh, on a more personal level because I see them all the time and 
you know, when we're out, we joke around, but <clears throat> um, there's not really that much one-on-one interaction. And then also, I like to get, you know, to learn if I can learn something from them. Cool, you know, some little more veterans, or we just talk about. Did you how to tie bowline knots today? <laughs> What? I don't know. You said learn something. I'm like, is this Boy Scouts? Like, am I supposed to? Like, okay, class. We're gonna learn crocheting. Well, yeah. I was gonna, you know, <laughs> see what kind of interest you have. See what you can teach me. Um, but like, that's what the comedy, the podcast is really. We just shit the shit. We hang out. I have one where we sit down and watch the UFC with a group of people. We want to talk while we're watching that. Um, what else? That's pretty much it, though. But, like, I think it's cool that I get the, the chance to sit down with a lot of these comics and we'll be able to commun- you know, talk about everything. And then I want to see, like, what it'll look like in 10 years. And we'll have all this backlog. Be like, remember when we were doing all that stupid shit and whatnot? And I don't know. It's just... So, if someone 12 years in, you'll be looking back and be like, remember when that person did comedy? Remember, remember, <laughs> yeah, how, he, remember how he quit after? Yeah, that's... Oh man, I can't believe that person's still alive. That one's dead. That was that guy that's, died. That's, <laughs> well, it's we're so the uh, I did a, um, a talk you can see on TED.com, basically mm-hmm. a TED talk for TEDx Salt Lake City, uh, 2018, and for it was about joking about trauma and stuff like that. So I got the I there's no there's really no data about mental health and comedy. So I'm having to conduct what was now the second largest survey of communities mental health in the world. We are we are drastically we are when I say suicide like we're way above everyone else like oh yeah yeah just, we're, I think we're about thirty nine times more likely to kill ourselves than the average person with about one in five comics having tried to kill themselves mm-hmm. so we're when I when I say like oh remember when that person was alive that's a true like I know so many people personally and then like you watch the national scene it's like oh where that that there that scene lost one that scene that see that there 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 so we're dropping like flies so this is. Uh, the, really, some of these episodes will be collector's editions. They eventually, might, it'll know. be the having the original. All the mics coming in good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you know what? Funny that you bring that up because I was listening to a um, an interview with um, Carlos Mencia with this other guy, and they're talking about the confrontation. That, that do you know about this? I, I know about Joe, a lot of confrontation. Yeah, the whole with, Joe Rogan thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I. I very much support Joe Rogan's actions to that because I could feel how that would hurt a comic on a personal level because when you work with a comic and you think that you guys are like cool and everything's cool and then you find out later on some that's, that comic might be saying something behind your back and you'd be like, oh, I was friends with that person and they're saying this. Why didn't they say it to me in person? I have no problem taking criticism to my face about how shitty I am because I, I have a lot of shitty sets. I know I do. Uh, other comics be like, man, you suck today. I was like, yeah, I have no problem with that. But when they say it like, <clears throat> to down talk, you know, just talk shit, when I'm not around, that that right there is, I'm not cool with that at all. And I will, well, if I remember correctly, Mencia um, was also uh, accused of stealing material from Joe, yeah, along that's, with that's a bunch of other people, which that's, and in, in comedy, here, here's what, what is to me always that, one of the saddest things, and we've seen this play out uh, more in in the last few years, has changed a bit. But it used to be that a comedian could be known as a rapist, 
and he would be blackballed from less places than if he was known for stealing material, which is sad commentary on both parts of like, hey, we didn't take uh, sexual assault in the community seriously enough, but it also shows you how serious uh, comedians will take stealing material. So like that's, uh, we, we need to kind of flip and address both of them where we can be like, hey, let's go ahead and make sure that uh, co comedians that blackball material are, are banned, but also, you know, sexual assault is, isn't allowed in the clubs. But that is how much, so when Joe attacked Carlos, it was not surprising to me at all because of how much uh, passion there is about your material when you write it and how personal it is when, when people do that. But that's how, I mean, previously, like I said, I've seen so many clubs that would blackball people for stealing material, but not all of these other horrific things because that's how big of a taboo it is in comedy. And, um... Well, like, like I was saying, I, I went into the video and I was like, okay, disregard my previous thoughts of what happened. And then, you know, come into this, watch this video, give Mencia a clean slate, and let's see what he says. And it was total bullshit from the get-go. Total bullshit. I was furious at what he was saying. For one, he was, he, not, not only was he saying that he, he didn't, like, really steal the jokes from Bill Cosby and whatnot, um... But like he was also saying uh, that he that it was like very aggressive the way he did it, and that I was like he should have addressed it. But you know his his managers or whatever that he pays money to be the manager to give him advice, and he's like they're telling me not to address it, so I'm not going to address it. Nowhere did he say should I should say something about how I shouldn't have done any of that. Nowhere did he apologize, and then he's all like. Well, I had this. Uh, I was going through this thing where I felt like I felt like you know uh, committing suicide, and then like and one thing he said, I was just like, and and I started thinking like, hey dude, like what are you doing? I, what are you doing? What are you thinking this for? Anybody who thought about committing suicide is not that easy to just go like, you know, what are you doing? Uh, what what's wrong? No, no, it doesn't work that way, and it it, it hurt me on a pretty close personal level because I've had suicidal thoughts before and I, I really wanted to act on it but I did it and then nor did I think what am I doing I'm perfect no yeah. I had to struggle through that and and fight all the feelings and, and fight the whole you know thoughts of it's you know I have I have I know at the time I only had one kid I have a son it's not right to just allow him to take myself out of this and think that he would be better growing up without a father um, it's just like it's way more intense thinking other than that and even if he was trying to just summarize it those are not the correct words a person who's thought about committing suicide does not just snap like that just no yeah, it's not a quick back and forth no it's it's, it's very frustrating <laughs> yeah well that's what the an introduction to my uh, the show I do which is short called my suicide note uh, little one of the things I say is you know uh, most suicides aren't caused by a single event it's not a single breakup it's not a single job loss it's not even a, a single thing that would make a white chick literally can't even you know it's usually an extended river of shit that just eventually overflows long enough it breaks the dam destroys the village below called hope mm -hmm. so you're not gonna have because it's not just one quick little thing you're not just gonna snap back out of it because it takes so much to to rebuild that dam and and work through all of the, the giant flood of issues that have now suddenly broken through. So it's not, yeah, you're not just quickly like, like you know, maybe, no, you know what, you're right, that was a bad idea. And then you're not just fine after that. Yeah, no, it's not that simple, man. <laughs> He's like, I saw a therapist and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, fucking 
Yeah, it's, it's not like, like I'm, I'm gonna, gonna kill myself and you just pull up a gif of a cute kitten and you're like, never mind. Yeah. And and I I put it on my Facebook so other people can watch it. If you wanna get on there later on just see what I was talking about. Um it's really aggravating. And I I um I, I haven't had as far as I've been in I haven't been into that long at all, you know. Um but I've never run into a situation like that where I have to confront another comic or, or like other seen other comics, seen other comics. Uh, jokes. Now, I do have premises that are kind of in the same um, format as uh, one comic, and I talk, I talked to him about mm-hmm. it. And I was like, dude, hey, you know, we have kind of similar the same joke. I hate my girlfriend's cat. You hate your girlfriend's cat, and, and you know. We, Wait, did like, you read my post earlier about how my girlfriend's cat annoys me? No, I didn't. I literally <laughs> <laughs> was like, I'm gonna go on and possibly give away the secret of David of Pirate Days Buried Treasure, all to talk about how much my girlfriend's cat pisses me off. Oh, you, so, so you have the same problem. I just, I don't, I'm still <laughs> writing bits on it, but yeah, no, it's everyone's girlfriend's cat pisses them off. Yeah, yeah, so and it's uh, a common idea. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's because her cat's her cat's such a whiny little fucker. That's because it's a cat. And he just well, he'll cry at like three in the morning, and at four in the morning, and at five in the morning. It's just and it's loud, loud, loud whining, and and. Yeah, yeah, whatever. She's she's grown to be a cat. <laughs> uh, she's actually gonna be moving in with me later in this month. I'm so not gonna do the I'm sorry joke because she's sitting right over there. <laughs> it's okay, you yes. can do it. She knows that I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for you. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And I I I know that how much she cares about the cat, and I know that. I mean, cats. It's fun to mess around with the cat that's how I deal with it like you're annoying but I'll goof around with you just cause you know otherwise I just totally hate the cat if I can't have any fun with it so uh, I like, like torturing the cat in ways that are completely non-harmful but they hate so my favorite is I pick up my girlfriend's cat and I just kiss his stomach and he hates people touching or kissing his stomach so like I was like time for tummy kisses and it's the most stupid thing that I could possibly do you don't worry about him tearing out your eyeballs? I, see I, I'm, I just grab I get the bottle and it's like it is torture to him but it's also kind of PETA approved torture I mean I guess technically I didn't get his consent before I kissed him so that's a bad trend for comedy but you know I, I but at least all I'm doing is kissing his soft tummy so it feels nice and soft in my face and it doesn't actually do anything to harm the cat it's but it just it, it annoys him and it, yeah pisses the hell out of him he's just like, just like <laughs> well I don't want to say what I've done before because I was <laughs> not PETA proof I've you got a spray <laughs> bottle too. There's a lot of different things. Spray bottle's fine. That's that yeah, one's yeah, fine. Although my girlfriend did not like when I used the spray bottle on, on her. That was apparently not supposed to classically condition. Uh, yeah, they might not like that. Yeah, yeah, no. I, she, she liked, liked the parts when I was giving her chocolate up in advance. I might uh, try that with Alana. What do you think, Alana? You think you like that? The spray bottle? No, back away. You had, no you eating on the bed. Yeah. No, 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 no. So my girlfriend wanted to try anal, and finally, and she's like, okay, I'm going to need some, like, she's like, I'm going to try this. I need some positive reinforcement going to this. And so throughout the day, secretly, yeah, she's like, just like, you know, be like, yeah, you're doing great. Like, I need, when we're going through and doing the stuff and trying, because you build up, you use, like, little trainer kits and whatnot. And so I brought, I, I 
poured us some chocolate chips and I put them in a mug and then throughout the day, like when she was saying things like, I can't wait to try, I just be like, here you go. And I would give her some chocolate as a positive. <laughs> and then she says something bad about it, so I grab the spray bottle, I was like, no, no, no. She didn't take care of She didn't like that part. She liked the chocolate. Oh, okay, so that's what you mean when you're like, gosh, she liked the chocolate part, but not the... Yeah, yeah but not the spray, spray bottle part. Yeah, I know. The, but I know, when I'm talking about anal, I say that she liked the chocolate part. part. That what, could be... What kind of wild <laughs> environment is your household, man? Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's a, a fun time. We have... She's... Uh, my girlfriend is very much a, a yes-ander, which for comedy, uh, ideally, it's the improv basic of whatever someone gives you, whatever they say. You don't reject it. You go yes and then you add something onto it mm -hmm. and so we will do that sometimes to our own detriment where we'll keep going back people will watch us argue and they think that we actually mean some of the things that we're saying but we'll just go back and forth and have so much fun and like our her, our friends will be like i feel awkward now it's like no it's okay sometimes mommy and daddy fight but she'll do uh really fucked up things like so she got her tubes tied uh she found a doctor that would tie her tubes at 24 with no kids she got them tied and they gave her photographs of the inside so they they put little clamps on the ovaries they don't actually tie them they put little clamps it looks like little ear cuffs that they give teenagers that they get so it looks like her, her ovaries just going through like an emo phase and they're like like you know the little like metal ear cuff oh yeah, yeah yeah it looks like that but on her ovaries is like little two of them so it looks like her ovaries are just like in their emo phase and like i don't want to have any kids life is pointless like that's and so they gave her photos of her ovaries and she put them in a baby frame and hung them on the wall in our living room. So, like, that's her level of fucked up, which is why we get along perfectly fine. Because like, people will be like, what's that? And I'm like, that's inside my girlfriend's vagina. That's, that's, which I date a porn star, so I'm used to having people see my girlfriend's vagina, but usually not on the living room wall. It's a little different. That's, that's why we, so, yeah, the, the entire spray bottle thing, that is completely on par with our, our average daily existence of, how long have you guys been dating? Two and a half years? Yeah, two and a half. We started dating, we started dating uh, April 15th, 2017. I picked that day so that way, because um, it's tax day. So I figured that way I won't ever forget our anniversary. And No, I didn't. Uh, I did forget to pay taxes, but I didn't forget our anniversary. IRS is not like that. I filed, filed like four months late, but uh, I remember the anniversary. We had a great anniversary at Arby's. That's more important, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll just go to jail for a little bit for taxes. Yeah, and but you know, with your girlfriend, you'll be in the doghouse for years because they'll never forget that. Mm -hmm. The only thing that is sure are death and taxes, and I would be dead if I forgot the anniversary. Yeah, as is, I got in trouble for not saying happy birthday to her on her birthday. I have to, I, I, I have to put a note in my phone for her birthday, so that's how I always see it. Well, I knew it was her birthday. She just said, oh, so I was a Jehovah's Witness, so I didn't have birthdays growing up. So for me, they're not like a big thing. And she knew that, and she's like, okay, my birthday's not a big thing. You don't need to like do anything for it. And I'm like, okay, that's, that works perfect for me. So I knew it was her birthday, and I just didn't say happy birthday because I didn't, she's like, it's not a big thing. And I, I don't have like happy birthday ingrained in my mind. And then at the end of the day, she's like, why don't you say happy birthday? And I'm like, oh, that was a, that was a trap, wasn't it? That was, it's not, it's not important. That's, okay, that's one of those. Um, you know what's funny? My mom uh, is a Jehovah's Witness, and she became a Jehovah's Witness maybe about 12 years ago. And we all say that she became a Jehovah's Witness because she got tired of all of us celebrating things and always doing that at her house. 
So she's like, no more. I'm, I'm Jehovah's. I don't celebrate anything. Don't come. Don't do anything at my house. I'm not cooking for anybody anymore. She's just done it. And she just like went hardcore. And now, um, now like if we have Thanksgiving dinner, she won't come. But she'll be like, oh, but bring the food to my house the next day. It's like, mom, <laughs> you might as well just come for Thanksgiving. And, and she, she saves so much money now on, on gifts. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because she got tired of buying all the grandkids stuff. And yeah, yeah, sorry, kids. kids I'm religious, religious now. So, so I'm religious and broke. It's convenient timing. Yeah. Well, no, now she's rich. She's never been, but <laughs> she doesn't want to do it. And for like birthdays or anything like that, she won't accept gifts, and she and she won't celebrate birthdays. But she'll be like, you can give me money still. Like, oh, fine, mom. Here's just, just yeah, so you gotta, gotta give it to him on a different day. day. Yeah, it's it's not a monster These are random fifty dollars on July twenty seventh for no reason. You know what? Okay, one of the weird things about her is she had her eyebrows tattooed, and. Uh, and I, I told her, I was like, when did you get your eyebrows tattooed? And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, your eyebrows. They're not real. It's not it's not like you colored them in. They're tattooed. And she said, no, I've always had them like that. I was like, mom, you have not. I've known you 36 years now that I've been alive or whatever. Um, your eyebrows are not have not been tattooed on this whole time. Oh, when, when, when did she get, get the tattoos? tattoos? Like, six years ago. Oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh, she broke, broke the rules. rules. You, you can't, can't get tattoos, tattoos in the religion. religion. Oh, she did that, yeah. huh? Yeah, you can't. No oh, tattoos. It's one of the rules. Yeah, no, tell her, like, yeah, it's, uh, no ink upon the skin is a, is a line in the Bible. Yeah, you can fix your teeth. There's, there's, no, there's no verse in the Bible about teeth tonight. I mean, there's some, I know there's some weird verses in there. There's, like, there's one dude who had to cut off a bunch of foreskins in order to get a daughter. So, I mean, I guess... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a. That's in the Bible. That is in the Bible. There was a man who had to cut off the foreskins uh, of and basically circumcise these adult males. Which you're not going to circumcise people voluntarily. So pretty much he had to murder a bunch of people and then cut off part of their penis in order to prove himself worthy. Uh, and how does that make any sense? That's you know that's how you learn morals. That's, that sounds like he was trying to get advice from a shaman who just had like this crazy inclination to like foreskin and just wanted a bunch of it. He's like, I'll tell you how you can get a daughter, just give me a bunch of dick skin. Dude, old, old school God was like way too penis obsessed. Like his, he really was, right? Really, yeah. He had a lot of things where he's, I think he was still figuring things, he was like a teenager who was figuring things out and he had way too, yeah, he just, it's, it's like how all the all kids when they're teenagers like way too penis obsessed, obsessed like everything is a dick joke yeah, I mean, and then you grow up later on and only half of things were dick jokes that was like god's early early work he was teenage god he was way too obsessed he's like oh my you know what i want you guys to do i want you two to fight you gotta kill all those people then you can have their land he was like a, a teenager playing grand theft auto or rome total war just kill everyone and then you can have everything and that's I mean, yours. That's what it was like back then. It's like, if you kill whoever you want, you technically own everything. Yeah. And, and then New Testament God, God like, grew up a little bit, had his first kid, mellowed out. He was a little cooler dude. What's wrong? Pull up the uh, camera a little bit. Pull up the camera? Yeah, facing you. It's facing you. What do you mean, pull it up? Yeah. There we go. Much better. You could have told us that a long time ago. Anyway, can you, since we're interrupting the podcast, can you give me a little bit? Do you want a bottle of water now? Yeah, yeah sure, I'll have some water. There's a bottle of water in the freezer. Can you get that? 
this uh, following break not brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron, save 15% off your daily groceries by having someone else tell you what to eat and shipping it to your door that's actually more expensive than if you just made it yourself. Blue Apron, no promo code. Don't go to their website. They don't sponsor this. I want to do a podcast where it's just a horrific podcast and then I tell the people who aren't sponsoring and then I convince them to pay me money to not say their names. <laughs> Like a little reverse psychology. Yeah, I want to, because I want to do an aristocrats podcast. Here's yeah. the money, just, just stop mentioning us. Uh, um, do you listen to any podcasts? I, I really should. should. I, I have so many long drives. drives, I usually pull up uh, some Netflix shows. There's, there's one I listen to, I, I love, I'm a big fan of science and facts. And if you want to, I will actually, I'm one of the few people who will change their viewpoints if you give me a fact-based reasoned argument. I have, I've changed my mind on uh, things. I used to be against the uh, against the firing squad for death penalty. Told uh, a friend um, who's one of the committees for the TEDx Salt Lake City had some wonderful information. I was like, oh my god, that's actually how is it more humane that we shoot someone a bunch of times than lethal injection? But so I, there's a podcast called Skeptoid that it's they they go they have like a bibliographical reference so you can see all of the things that they're talking about and all of the cited sources at the end of it and then it goes everything from debunking uh, alien visits and, and Bigfoot all the way to uh, anti-vaxxers and MLMs and uh, like Mary Kay and all that shit. So they cover a different topic every week and it's all just fact-based reasoning of, hey, listen, we might not know what that sound in Cuba was exactly, but we can tell you it wasn't sonic weapons because the brown noise doesn't exist, X, Y, Z, and then it goes through all the science behind it. So that's, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a full nerd. I'm such a nerd. There's no problem with that. I mean, that's probably why you, your comedy can be so vast. Because you have so much information. You have so many things. I know all the facts about dick jokes. I know. <laughs> I have looked I at I know. The, I'm pretty sure there's some new ones coming out pretty soon. Uh, uh, if I, I'll be forefronting that research. <laughs> Seen all the Kinsley research, so, all the... I did hear you mention a lot of TED Talks. Do you see? Do you go to those a lot, or, or do you watch those on something? Yeah, so you can watch uh, a TED.com, T-E-D. Uh, you can watch all of them online for free. I wish I could go to the actual TED conference. The the main TED conference, like the tickets are like uh, $10,000. What? For, for a, a TED Talk? Yeah, for, for the actual main TED conference. It's insanely expensive. So I did uh, TEDx Salt Lake City. TEDx is, is uh, a license, and different people can produce their own TEDx's across the nation so sometimes you'll have people that will produce them and it'll be like in the back of a library and they'll film it on like a webcam and it's the content can be questionable um as far as how how great it is but the one i did tedx salt lake city it's in done in kingsbury hall um which is the university of utah beautiful two south two thousand seat theater like you have to run through with the speaking panel and do multiple drafts so it's one of the it's really one of the best tedx's i would say that there is hands down and you can watch their um, you can watch it on the TEDx YouTube and also on their their webs uh, the web page. But the entire idea behind TED is it's technology, entertainment, and design. So you'll get. Uh, oh, that's what TED stands for. Yeah. So you'll you'll get everything from um, a child in Africa who invented a at like ten years old invented a system that actually keeps lions from attacking the herds by having blinking lights. That's an actual talk. This kid figured out how to not only save the lion's lives because they're not being murdered anymore, yeah. but also it saves them having to have a night watchman at 10 years old. Um, all the way to uh, entertainment, uh, guys like James Veach who responds to spam emails. You might have seen his TED Talks where he's, he's literally just talking about responses he gives to like the Nigerian scammers and it is hilarious. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. She, 
Lana saw that one time, and yeah. we, we watched it together, how he, like, pretty much trolls them. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you have stuff that. like that, this, this that wonderful entertainment, and then there's uh, design all the way from uh, you know, smart design for, for new cities to um, just plain old artists. I won't say plain old, but artists in the way that they wound up building these, these beautiful mechanical um, and practical things or designing like city layouts and how you figure out how to build a city because mm -hmm. that's we don't really think about that because we kind of just built cities about where they currently existed but sometimes we're going into new areas and we're like we're going to have a city there now how do we make this so that people don't get stuck in traffic all day yeah so it's it's wonderful you get experts all across the board um, and pretty much every topic you can imagine and they're giving a very for the main TED, the ones that ended up on TED.com, a very refined and definitive vision and concise. They're usually like seven to 14 minutes, so they're not that long to watch. And you can get some really great knowledge from some top experts in the field. Um, TED Talks, though they're like a, have, they haven't been around too long. Like, they're really more like a like mid to later 2000s thing, right? Yeah, so a lot of the stuff that went online was, so TED technically has been around since I think it was, uh, late 80s or early 90s when it was founded but it was very small back then and it, but it was taken over um, by the, the now current head in the early 2000s and he really revamped it it's now gone online and they've really grown up a lot uh, you can watch some of the some of the first year stuff and it's a little a little rougher I would say in their the production the way they did things but now it's very defined it's very iconic they have I think the TEDx um, YouTube is now like over 2 billion views so it's it's big. The main TED Talks, a lot of those will get just one talk alone. will get, you know, anywhere between one to 50 million views yeah. on it. So it's it's big now. Yeah, it's it's almost like a, a, a form of, uh, what was that like when, in the, the Roman days, when they used to all get into a room and they just hear Oh, the Roman Forum? Yeah, it's yeah. almost like that, huh? Yeah, kind of. It's basically an online version of the forum with, with some of the best and brightest minds. I mean, the people that are... Um, one of the fellow uh, speakers at TED at Salt Lake City, he's finishing up three PhDs at once while running a nonprofit to get medical supplies to disadvantaged countries. So, like, that's the sort of people they have coming in. So, whenever it's weird when you're the entertainer in the room with these really smart, brilliant people, yeah. where you're like, they're like, oh, what's your talk on? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm and they're like, oh, I'm doing, a, I, what I do is I, I work with particle colliders and. You know, like CERN particle collider, and I'm trying, and we're studying a spider nano silk technology, and the the way that we can redefine the fabrics, and then they get to me, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Sometimes I get sad and tell jokes." <laughs> so the the people they have was well, a very brilliant, brilliant people, and then occasionally you just have a smart ass like me that will do the entertainment side. Well. I mean, you gotta have a mix of both the world, yeah. right? So yeah, it's, it's a good way to mix it up. When you have, a, there's a lot of very serious, serious discussions, um, and not that the comedy discussions aren't serious, uh, but you know, it's it, it's kind of that little bit of levity in between all of the uh, more traditional or classic, like like the spider circle nanotechnology was a real talk that was given at the TEDx Salt Lake City 2018, which I was that was my favorite one. What was it again? Uh, the spider silk. Spider silk nanotechnology. Nanotechno I've heard about that because they're like trying to figure out. Are they trying to? Is that the word? They're trying to figure out how to how to like um, basically replicate. It? It. Yeah, yeah replicate to be able to replicate the the structure. So because it's so strong, like when you think about Spider Man, there, and the person I was talking to, the the woman who's doing this. 
she she literally is trying to get them to let her put a spider, an actual spider, in the particle collider in CERN, mm -hmm. Switzerland, the giant, yeah, the, the giant large movement. hydrogen collider. She's trying right now. She's talking to them to try to get them to post. That is real Spider-Man. That was why I was so excited because Spider-Man was my favorite. I'm like, you're gonna do okay. I, I called first dibs on letting that spider bite me. <laughs> you called first dibs. I called first dibs. But she's a total. She's a total badass. She's like this little five foot tall Indian woman who's just mm -hmm. brilliant and not who do you'd expect to be being like, yeah, I'm putting spiders in. This. Like just walking down the street, you wouldn't be like, that's the one. That she literally had to learn how to coax black widows to sleep with her hand. Yeah. So okay. she literally will. What do you mean to sleep? They go to bed. So yeah, she just she calms them down. And she literally just like will have black widows in her hand, is like petting black widows, and then puts them in a particle collider. And like that's not who you'd expect just walking down the street. Well, and, I mean, I, I feel like it'd have to be a woman for black spiders, a, a black widow spider. If it was a guy, the spider would be like, I didn't want you to touch me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't consent, bite. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, that's the, one of my biggest fears is spiders. So I'm like, this is the most badass person. It's like super intelligent, cool, and is trying to make live Spider-Man. And I get to talk to this person because I tell jokes about suicide. That doesn't feel like it's an equal trade in our conversation to me. Where it's like I, no, no, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, no. Like, you have so much knowledge, and I am in Fort Worth, Texas now. I week. joke around about this, you know, the serious problem we have, and I make it funny. Yeah, <laughs> and you're trying to solve a lot of real world issues. How do we? Uh, yeah, it's like that's an that's a, I've never heard that the spider that she's trying to get the spider into yeah. that thing. Yeah. So why are they so against to letting her do that? I mean, it's just a spider. Yeah, I think it's because like the they're so f the the large hadron collider is like a multi-billion dollar project, and they're so finely tuned, and they have also there's so many people that want to use those large colliders for different things that you kind of got to get a time slot in there, and then on top of it, the the rough chance that the spider screws up a billion dollar machine, like they don't. It's, oh, okay, I see. So first of all, she has to convince him to, to get a time slot, and she has to convince him that it's everything's gonna go fine, nothing's gonna go wrong. So it's a it's a big. I'm, I I should really follow up with her and see if she's done it because I need that. I yeah, need spider powers. Yeah, go fund me or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, go fund me. Can we raise a billion dollars for a new particle collider? <laughs> if we can donate just five dollars, yeah. If with a five dollar pledge, we give you a T-shirt. Yeah. With a hundred million dollar um, pledge, you get your own spider. What do you think about, did you, uh, you said Spider-Man's Recreate Super, did you watch a lot oh, yeah. of the last, stuff, the latest uh, Spider-Man movies? Oh yeah, no, I've watched all of, I've watched all the Spider-Man movies, I, uh, unfortunately I can't afford comic books, or else I would have kept up to date, but I've read all the, uh, the OG Spider-Man up through, like, the anthology, so. Oh wow, uh, you're really, really into it then. Oh yeah, no, I used to, um, so like, uh, they used to have old anthology books where it would be like five years of comics, and I could check them out from the library, and so I've read all of the original, uh, DC, Marvel, anything that was in those anthologies, uh, I've read it, but I my my knowledge like ends up stopping them in the late '80s because they didn't have those in my library. And I didn't have cash, so I'm like, oh man, we have Black Spider-Man, but I don't know his full backstory. So like, yeah, I know that Miles Morales exists in in Spider-Verse. Obviously, we have uh, alt realities, and yeah. there's I had I had to watch it, especially just because John Mulaney is Spider-Ham. <laughs> Yeah, Which was. is one of the greatest Spider-Man offshoots ever is Spider-Man as a pig voiced by John Mulaney, yeah. a wonderful comedian. Uh, well, the reason why I ask is if you watched his last Spider-Man, 
Uh, I know this sucks that Sony and, and uh, Marvel have not come to an agreement and they might not yeah. fall into part, which sucks because, you know, Sony, obviously they tried to do the Spider-Man reboot. Well, I actually like the reboot, the one with the Gar- Garfield. Yeah, and Andrew Garfield. I actually like yeah. that one. Yeah, they were, they were be- better than the Tobey Maguire A lot ones. of people didn't like mm-hmm. it, but I was like, it's what happened in the comic books, in a sense, you know, Green Goblin mm-hmm. killed. Uh, Gwen Stacy, which oh, tore Spider Man apart, and then but then we didn't get to see afterwards him rebuilding himself as a as a superhero again. But <clears throat> I did like those I, the Tobey Maguire ones. Like the first two were cool. Then they started kind of fading off, and the third one was horrible. Yeah, uh, they tried to shove too many villains into one movie, so you didn't get without any without any good backstory. To yeah, um, but I did like. Uh, in this, uh, the, the latest one, uh, Far From Home, they kind of made it seem like Spider-Man was kind of losing his his senses a little bit. Because you know how he had to retrain himself how to, how to at the end of the movie? Uh, by the way, this is spoilers. If you haven't seen it by now, fuck you guys. <laughs> it's been over eight weeks. It's almost, it's almost on Blu-ray, he, he, so. Um, how he had to pretty much go, you know, close his eyes and just let himself go to his spider senses. And to me, I saw that as an intro to when he starts losing his powers and he turns into Man Spider, which would yeah. have been amazing if they could have gone that route. I, I don't know if they go that route because of of the way that they've been approaching it with Marvel, which because mm-hmm. uh, I that is that's that Man Spider, and especially when we get into more of the Spider Verse, I feel like that's going to be explored by Sony in the cartoon series uh, or the the animated series that they did like into the Spider Verse, where we could get Man Spider. And uh, that and explore deeply into the web that connects all the different multiverses and the different Spider-Man yeah. together. But that's because it's very. I, th- I almost feel like Man Spider be a little bit too graphically visual for what Marvel likes doing. Yeah, it'd be pretty intense. But they did come out with a good Venom movie. Yeah, well, that was all, that was Sony though. That was yeah, not was Marvel. Wasn't involved at all in that. Um, and thank you, Tom. Although I will say Tom Holland is the best. He's he's my Spider-Man forever. He's. I heart him three thousand. He's yeah, he's a very good Spider-Man. He's he's still young. He's obviously. a good Spider-Man and a perfect Peter Parker. Yeah, he's a good Peter Parker. Not too uh, not too nerdy, but still kind of you know awkward, but not like yeah, retardedly awkward. Or I shouldn't say that. Yeah. One of the rules. <laughs> Is that on the? Yeah, that's not one of the words. I've already I've already broken. I think it's on there. I'm not sure. Anyway, so. It, you know, it's cool. I'm not sure which way they're going to go. I do know that what's-his-name playing uh, Carnage is great. He is perfect for that. Uh, What's-his-name? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, uh, I'm still... I, 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 uh, I wasn't a fan of the Venom movie myself. I It was okay. I liked, I liked certain parts of it. I didn't like how they... Some parts were kind of humor. Too low to humor. Um... I wish, th- I honestly wish they would have had be able to have the, the Marvel tie-ins if we could have gotten Spider-Man based backstory of, of Eddie Brock either. I, I was really hoping with Infinity War coming out that we were going to get the Venom origin story that was when uh, Spider-Man was involved in the Infinity Wars and he was on the alternate planet when he got the suit and it became one of the alternate origins for Vision, uh, Venom versus the, the original Eddie Brock. Uh, or sorry, the J. J. Jonah Jameson's son. Yeah, crash. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened in the movie, actually. Yeah, what... Which um, I, I would have loved to have had more of um, where we could have had Jay Jonah involved and Peter involved, but since we had to, With the Venom movie? Pre- yeah, we had to cut them out since they're part of Marvel's IP. Yeah. 
big companies just screw up my childhood so much. They just, just for money, too. Just for, just for money. Why would you remake The Lion King? That's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. I, I didn't watch the remake of The Lion King. Um, I probably won't go into it either. I mean... But, yeah, the, the Venom... I was... I would have loved... I really wish Marvel would actually had had the Venom IP because I liked having an R-rated Venom, but I would have probably loved the direction that Marvel has kind of fine-tuned superhero movies enough that I think they could have, if they could have tapped into the darker side, if you could have had someone like more of a James Gunn or kind of a bit of an alt director going in and handling Venom, I feel like if they would have had the right director at the helm, they could have done a, a good dark Venom and, and, and still had it. Sony for me was just a little bit off enough, and I... Some people hate me for this. I do not like Tom Hardy as as Eddie Brock. He's not he's not my Eddie Brock. Don't be wrong. He's a little small. He's a little small. It's uh it's not as bad as Spider Man three. Uh, having Topher Grace as Eddie Brock. Yeah, that's name Topher Grace. Yeah, Topher Grace. The guy from that seventy show. Stupid. When he became Venom, when he got the suit, why all of a sudden his teeth all jacked up? Made no sense at all. His teeth were like all just jagged. Yeah, there was so many. Oh, I don't know what man. happened to Raimi there, but I don't know either. I would love to. Uh, uh, yeah, someone aside from Tom Hardy, it's too late to recast an entire Venom movie. And there's a reason that uh, yeah, I like Tom Hardy as an actor. though. He's a great actor. Yeah, no, uh, Mad Max Fury Road was fantastic with him in there. Mad Max was amazing. That was a great movie. Uh, it was hard to remake that movie and make it really good. Yeah. Fucking Mel Gibson blew it out of the park when he made it. And I almost said Fury Road was, was better in so many ways, especially since they stayed with practical effects. Mm-hmm. So you could have a movie that will remain timeless, and you won't watch 20 years from now and be like, oh man, that's such horrible, that's, that doesn't look good anymore. It was pretty much a movie about incest, wasn't it? Because the guy was just banging all the chicks, and all those guys were just all his kids in a way. Uh, was it, what's going on? I don't know. Like, I don't know what you're reading into that movie or what your personal life is like. <laughs> I I didn't assume it was it. I assumed that they were like the last remaining women. I didn't think they were all his daughters. I, I don't know if they're his daughters, but I'm pretty sure that all of that, he was banging all of them to have all these kids. I thought and, was, and when the kids came out normal, he was like, yeah, yeah. And when they came out deformed, ah, oh, don't worry. Yeah, that's, that's not always. That's, that's not incest. Just, just having. That's, that's more like that's that's, that's, that's more like a harem. That's mm. where you have it's more like a Negan setup. Where, yeah, not incest. Where you just got you collect all of them. It's like then they're like Pokemon, and you're like I choose you tonight. And then when they don't perform well, then then you just send them to. The... I'm, I'm pretty sure some of them might have been his daughters. I mean, after the older ladies passed away. Oh, I I hope not. I real I I would hope not. But who who am I to judge? I haven't lived through an apocalypse and been a water baron. I don't know what the future is like. I I probably wouldn't have sex with my daughters, but you know that's I don't know. I don't want to get on my moral high horse and proclaim things. I mean, I'm I'm gonna tell everyone. Who are we to judge Adam and Eve? I'm gonna tell everyone out there on the internet. Don't have sex with your kids, but you know I'm taking a bold stance here. Taking a bold stance. Don't, don't have sex with your children. children. You heard it here first. Be careful. The, the, the social media people might come after you for saying that. They'll be, yeah, I'm sure. There's always somebody out there who gets mad about uh, point of view. There is a, there's an incest group, a pro-incest group on Facebook. Don't ask me. Actually, okay, I should what? tell you why I know. I should tell you why. Why do you it's know not, that? It's, it's not, not my fault. fault. 
my girlfriend joined it as a joke. And then one time she posted, she like commented something that was not anti-incest in there. It wasn't like pro-incest, it just wasn't anti. And so a bunch of people started thinking that she was pro in the group. They thought she was like friends with them or whatever. And they started like reaching out to her. Why wouldn't you be friends with them? Sometimes you join groups as like a trolling thing and for fun, and then they think you're actually one of them. And so I kept, she kept telling about all the updates in the incest group and about all their new scientific research studies. And then once again, I'm a fact-based person. It turns out cousin incest is not bad as long as you don't keep doing it. And so now I've had to change my mind on fact-based cousin incest. As long as you don't keep doing it. So you're saying like, okay, me and my cousin can hook up. But later down the line, that yeah, you gotta keep and another cousin shouldn't be hooking up. Yeah, eventually. So who's supposed to keep track of the chart, though, man? We've well, got you've got twenty three of me now. So apparently now, just like take a DNA test before you get married. Uh, but don't once you still don't sleep with your kids. That's a power dynamic issue. No matter what, never do that. Don't have sex. But if you got a hot cousin, use a condom. I don't know if that's. You got weird messages for your people. That's. According, according to science, God, according to science, vaccinate the children. What are you telling me? <laughs> You've been swayed to that side, huh? Science. It was science was what swayed me. Apparently, it's like there's one disease that has a three percent higher occurrence rate if you if you have children with your cousins. But I'm not. I, by the way, I haven't slept with any of my cousins. This is just purely hypothetical. This is imaginary world. But there's probably like a few diseases that are worse among genetic lines. And so the incest people are big on that statistic. And I'm like, you guys got peer-reviewed research. I'm not going to argue with you. You guys just don't, don't sleep with anyone in the wrong power dynamic and have fun. Do whatever. Don't harm people. But if you and your cousin are into each other, use a condom. I don't know. What if one of your cousins heard this? Like, I got a chance now. Let's call it. I've been waiting for that. What would you do about that? I mean, yeah, I, got I got some, some good-looking cousins. <laughs> that's, I don't know. Out the window, we don't. You know? I'm not, not close with most of my family. With Lani, you got anything to say about that? I didn't even know that. She's, she's not, not your cousin, cousin right? You just, <laughs> maybe you're. Like, we, we finally found, found an advocate for our cause. <laughs> who would have known? <laughs> who would have known? We would find the one guy who 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 knows some of the incest statistics, but also doesn't sleep with cousins. Oh man. Um. Okay, I did want to ask you, and let me let me see if I can figure this out. Okay, you say you're half black, half what? Half, half white. white. Half white. Yes. yes. I want to guess which parents which. Judging by this, I would say your mom is the half is the is the, is the black person. That is correct. It is correct. That's, That's yeah. yeah. Oh, mom's the black one. Oh, cha cha cha. So I got to be raised in a poor black household. Oh. <laughs> even though it was, even my parents got divorced, and I still got the worst. And like most people, they like they have the black dad and the white mom, and their parents get divorced, and they're like, "Oh, I'm living in the white culture." Nope, I was still in black culture. Well, not half. Okay, so I said your mom was the black, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the good thing about that: if your mom was not the good, here's the difference. Do it without using any racial slurs. One of the word. If your mom would have been the white lady with black child, she would have had no idea how to fix your hair while you were growing up. That, that can be a problem. problem. That, yeah. No, no that, that is an actual legitimate, legitimate issue with, um, 
So, so I don't know. Just they're around regular hair gels. You've got YouTube and all that stuff now, but it is it is a real problem that actually faces not not for me clearly. I've got I've got a friend, uh, an old uh, buddy from he's black from Southern Texas, Black Bone Hampton, and I used to open for him. And he would get on stage and he'd give me shit. He'd be like, uh, Colin, you ain't black. How much your mama hates your daddy? She tell you your daddy black. You can't comb black hair like that. <laughs> Which is great because he met my mom and he's like, are you okay with me saying it? I'm like, yeah, I don't give a shit. That's cool. Yeah, and so he knew my mom was a black one, but it was, yeah, and it is because it's, I, it, my hair, I got the white hair, which is so handy so many times where I can just be like, fixed. And you do give off that look of where it's hard to like, what are you? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, no both, both me and airport, airport security, security know that well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah screenings aren't random. Screenings, screenings are not random. Ran- Some of them are my fault, though. That, that was oh, a couple of them. Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, well I was, so, so I was traveling, traveling, I was doing some shows over in Europe a couple years ago, and they, I was flying an airline over there called Spirit Airline. Oh, not Spirit Airline. It's a... It's a Scottish Airlines. It's Ryanair, which it's. I wish it was Spirit Airlines. Like Ryanair makes Spirit Airlines look like NASA. That is how horrible. They, yeah, no, they're there's such Ryanair. Ryanair. Well, yeah, but named after a person. Yeah, it sounds like after a Scottish dude. It's. I got a ticket from France to Romania for eleven euros. That's twelve dollars. That is how cheap wow. the airline is. How far? How long of a flight? I mean, like, no matter how long of a flight, it's twelve dollars. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. And it's like say what is like two hours. Doesn't matter actually. No, I think about it's it. It's a four-hour flight. Yeah. Twelve. Yeah. Twelve dollars. Yeah. And, and they will they will sell you lottery tickets on the plane. Yeah. They sell lottery tickets on the plane. That's how. Wait a minute. Lottery tickets. They have lottery tickets. They have, so, because they're trying to make up the money, they, like, the stewardesses do, like, a little QVC in the middle of the flight, and their entire pitch to you to sell you this crap is that you're over, they're like, okay, we're currently over international waters, so everything is duty-free. It's like, it's, 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 none of the laws from any other countries apply, so you don't have to pay taxes. It's pirate laws in the air is, like, their entire pitch. I'm like, if we don't have laws, there's a baby a few rows up. Can I take care of this, like, sort of thing? They didn't like that. It was, I was, I was, I was going to give it some alcohol. It was a Scottish airline. I figured the baby passed out. It'd be fine. They didn't agree with that. But, so yeah, they sell lottery tickets. One of the things that they sell for the Ryanair lottery. And I think that's the worst thing ever because when I'm 30,000 miles in the air, that's not when I want to start feeling unlucky. Like, I don't want to be, like, flying and be like, okay, we got airplane, airplane. Still in crossbones. We're going down. Like, it's a bad... So, so that's, that's how cheap the airline is, and so one of the things they do is they weigh your bag before you get on your carry-on. They will weigh it, and if it's over 20 pounds, then they'll charge you extra. And I was over there for two months, and I was packing everything in my backpack so I don't have to pay extra baggage fees because I'm a cheap uh, son of a bitch. And so I went online, and I read some instructions of how to avoid paying the baggage fees. Uh, what you do is you buy a travel vest. Because they don't weigh you, they weigh the bags, but not you, which is good for America. You buy a travel vest, and then you put all your heavy things in the travel vest, and then you wear that on the plane, and then you take it off and you put it in the bag. So that way, you, your bag weighs less when you go through, but later, you don't have to wear the entire thing. So I forgot that I love... they don't care, like, when you go to the x-rays, what you have on? So, uh, I forgot that I look like I do. I look like I'm, I don't look black. I look like from a country where I've only seen my mom through a slit in her, you know... And so, so I'm wearing, wearing, I have purchased a black, black vest, vest mm-hmm. 
and I've put all of my heaviest things on it, which is my electronics. It has all of my cables <laughs> running into my vest. Because in my mind, my mind, I'm half black. So I've I put, I'm taking the vest off and I'm putting it through the conveyor belt, and they're just seeing a vest with wires, and I don't. I don't know if you've ever had the full search before, uh, the really in-depth search. That is how I found out I have colorectal cancer. Is how detailed it was, because it was, and Wait, I look. I have cancer. Do you, do you I is, well, I don't have it. I found it out, but they they searched far enough up me that yeah. they could tell that I whether or not I did have it. Because it was <laughs> okay. a very, it was like full-on panic, uh, red alert. And so I learned after that. I put different things in my vest instead after that. I didn't put the wires in there. Oh um, but when I was over in France, I picked up some uh, LED light bulbs because I do photography, and they had. I, I grabbed some quick LED light bulbs for shoots. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that apparently LEDs show up on an x-ray exactly like C4. Shit. And so I had light bulbs in my bag when I was in France. And what's nice is when the, when the French do it in that cavity search, they're so much more gentle. They're very gentle lovers. They got two they people involved in it. It's well, it shows up. They just like they 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 see me, and I still had the vest. It just wasn't filled with wires. But then you've got C four looking things going through. So like, it's not all of the random screenings were were their fault. There some of them were my fault, and that's kids don't. Don't fly Ryanair or just pay for the baggage. Just pay. <laughs> if you're brown, don't buy travel vests. That's 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 the definition of white privilege is being able to wear a travel vest through an airport. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there though that like is gonna hear this and be like, oh, that's what I gotta do for a cancer. Because there's some kinky motherfuckers out there. They're, they're gonna be glad to get I searched mean, like you that. Could yeah, just, I'm digging deeper. You could just pay a prostitute to do that. That's a lot cheaper. Yeah, but you never. But nowadays, you never know they're gonna drug you and steal all your money. Oh no! You go to like one of the. You go to one of the good ones. You go to one of the. You go if you're traveling already to Europe. Go to one of the brothels there. That's they have many fine. Fine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Many yeah. fine licensed brothels in some of those countries. So, when. So you mentioned that you do a lot of photography. You could have, You do a lot. I read your bio. You do a lot of. I'm all out there. Yeah, well, as a comic, like you've got one hour of work a day, so yeah. you got to fill the rest of the time. So what all? What all? Let's just go. What all do you do? What's, so, what are your uh, other so I, I do stand up uh, professionally. I tour around the country. You can see my website, comiccolin with two l's dot com. Current tour is suicidenote.me. dot uh, me. So I've got two different tours. One's a normal, normal stand up tour. One's the dark show with all the just suicide child molestation jokes. Uh, sorry, jokes about being lost as a child. I gotta clarify <laughs> that. So <laughs> yeah, all those are mostly in the other show, in, in the Suicide Note show. Um, when I'm not doing, when I'm home, usually for a week off, I work with Quickwits Improv. I've been doing a improvisational comedy for 15 years, mm -hmm. going up, going on 15 years. Uh, and then uh, all of, I'm working on a new uh, photography set that is a different take on Boudoir called Laugh Dwar that I'm reworking that portfolio. And so that's kind of a, a fun offshoot. It's a side hobby. I don't. I do so many other things that that kind of takes yeah. a, a back alley. And I don't really fill up with that. Uh, I host a web series called Ingression. So, if you guys know Pokemon Go, mm -hmm. Niantic's original project was called Ingress, and I made a tutorial series for that. I actually ended up getting hired on as Niantic's uh, live broadcaster when they're experimenting with live esports coverage back in 2016 because I know the mechanics in the game so well that uh, I've got a tutorial series on that and um, that's amazing 
Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a, a, Ingress is a little bit more niche uh, versus Pokemon Go. So like the series I have, I, I mean, we're over, we're over a million views, but um, you know, it's not as large as Pokemon Go, granted. Uh, there's when I'm not doing that you can find me crying alone in the shower because uh, my girlfriend's at work and I'm stuck with her goddamn cat all day and he makes me cry what is he? <laughs> yeah he's he's a bully you can his name's Dorian which I, I just picture that cat like uh, peeking through the door with a knives and they yeah. <laughs> you gotta come out of here sometime man he's, he's a black cat he'd shoot me um <laughs> I can say that. I'm half black. We discussed this and earlier. And you know with that, yeah. he's probably high on crack half the time. Yeah, no, it's his catnip. He's got, he's got, he's freebasing catnip <laughs> in the back. He's just doing catnip and be like, Chappelle's right. Mm. But, oh. Yeah, he's, a, a, because his name's Dorian, I couldn't take this hurricane seriously. Hurricane Dorian's been hitting places. I just imagine my girlfriend's cat going in and fucking shit up. <laughs> just dirty. Yeah, yeah. just uh, running around in circles really you fast. You know what's funny though, Dorian... Uh, I was listening to Bill Burr on his podcast, and he was like, he was looking into Dorian, the meaning of the name. It's the first gender-neutral uh, named Hurricane, I think. And he was like, was "Who's like, naming their girls Dorian? I've never heard a, a girl named Dorian." Is I that? Either. But he, uh, I don't know. He I, researched it. Said it was like a Roman, huh. Roman gender-neutral name. It's like, oh, they've gotten to to where we can't even name our hurricanes name like yeah. names anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> today's society. You gotta you, be politically correct, everyone. You, uh, I mean, I know you do, obviously doing 12 years in comedy, 12 years, right? Yeah. What, like, what do you think of, like, the culture as far as from when you first started to where we are now? Like, I know it's changed a lot. Yeah, there's definitely been a shift. Um, there's, so, it also depends on where you're performing. So, mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of, uh, shows in in middle of nowhere uh you know like there's a hey we need someone in yankton south dakota to perform at a comedy club that's actually a dance place that is also a bowling alley and is also a bar and is also a casino i'll do those shows because i'm famous uh i wish (laughs) so it it also it still does also depend on where you're at so you know when i'm doing when i'm doing a city like like portland um which is definitely, that's where I was raised and is definitely more progressive, is going to be a little bit different of an attitude there versus uh, the Midwest in a small town that's, you know, heavily um, Republican is obviously going to be less worried about it. But you have, there has definitely been a shift. Um, one of the weirdest things, and the reason I did the, the, the talk at TEDx Salt Lake City is because I have a show where I'm, the, the Suicide Note show, I am talking about my own experience, my own life, these things that happen to me, uh, you know, what led to me eventually trying to commit suicide uh, a few times. And it was weird to watch people get offended about me talking about my own life. And it's like, no, this is me sharing my experience. You know, we have, we see all these different art forms where people explore their trauma, but for some reason, if a comedian feels the most comfortable expressing it in their art form, people get offended at them talking about themselves, which is very bizarre. So uh, we have, there, there has been a shift. I think unfortunately we're swinging in a pendulum I wish the pendulum would have stopped in the middle because we went from being too insensitive on a lot of areas to being overly sensitive on a lot of areas and I'm afraid that we're going to end up shifting back too far in the other direction I would like to, my the, the talk was hopefully trying to center us more towards the middle 
because there are things that do need to be taken into account when, you, when you're talking about people. I think it is important to remember that there is a lot of people who have experienced things that are different than you and that uh, although we, we, as comedians we want to kind of have it both ways. We want to say that jokes are just jokes and they're meaningless, but also we say that comedians can change the world because world, words are powerful. We can't have it both ways. We need to find a meeting where we understand that words can hurt people, but also people need to understand that if they're coming to a comedy club, if they're coming to an area that you, you're the one who's a performer, there's the entirety of safe spaces, and that is your safe space. That's what's been designated. You're not walking into their house. Mm -hmm. They're coming into your house. My rule is always, whenever I do shows, I have a Suicide Note show, clearly I can do dark jokes. Um, I've been, the Suicide Note show is built in a way that it is not technically offensive. Uh, if you want to be offended at it, you can find so many things to be offended at, but I'm talking about my own life and what happened to me. But you know, I've had a lot of mental health charities have actually um, reached out to me, and I've done shows for them because they recognize that someone talking about their own trauma in, in, an, in an alternative way can be positive. Yeah, and because, not to interrupt, but yeah. like, it's like, how, <clears throat> it's basic human development, like when you, one of the best ways to deal with a traumatic situation, when you take it, can make, uh, talk about it and then make it seem, you know, make your own spin on, on making it kind of funny, even though it wasn't funny at the time. <clears throat> you look back at it and be like, yeah, I, you know, I've changed, I've learned so much from then, but, you know, you still can give people uh, an introspect on what your life was when that was happening in, in a positive way. Yeah. And it, it allows you to sort your pain through the prism of humor, and Oprah talks about empowerment. It's essentially empowerment, it's taking that negative and turning it mm -hmm. into a positive so that no longer is it controlling you, you get to control it. Yeah. Which is the way that you... But it's, a, it's, weird, it's strange that people would get upset with that because it's your own personal thing. How are you supposed to change what actually you went through? You can't change that. Precisely, yeah. But, but, but they get mad at you because, oh, just because you went through it and, and you can have fun because you went through it, that's not right? No, that's... Yeah, and that's where we've we, that's where we've had the overcorrection. The thing that really hit me when I was writing the um, the talk uh, was there was an interview with Vice News, and they were they were talking to college comedy bookers, and some of the bookers they were talking to at, at colleges. Colleges are notoriously strict for we don't want anyone to be offended, and especially that entire thing of colleges are over PC these days. There there is I would definitely agree there's too much of a bit of an oversheltering going on. Uh, at least to the students, and one of the things that one of the bookers said was, even if a woman is talking about her own experience of being sexually assaulted on stage, we're not going to allow that. And this was happening peak Me Too, which is really weird to me to have that dynamic where um, generally the liberal philosophy and progressive philosophy is we want to support these people who are victims, we want you to be heard, we want you to be able to finally talk and feel safe expressing it, but then also say, no, you can't talk about it if it's in comedy. We're not going to allow you to do that. So it was this weird mix of watching someone who's probably very pro Me Too at the same time saying that it would shut down someone for discussing their own sexual assault because it was the art form they're most comfortable with. So that was really a moment for me where I was like, we, I know we've swung too far. I, that's when I was like, we've, we've gone too far on the pendulum. We need to center it back where we can appreciate that you don't want to necessarily punch down with your comedy. Usually better comedy writing is punching up anyways uh, for the most part. But we don't want to punch down. So we want to take into account that people have been harmed by things and to not just directly 100% mock that in a way that's serious and hurting them. But you know, we also need to remember, hey, 
these there are elements of it. This is humor. This is putting a positive on a negative and is not discussing something, a specific topic or a word. Yeah. doesn't have to be negative. There's a, a recent study that was done that showed providing trigger warnings actually turns out to be more harmful to people than not providing them, which is bizarre to me. I'm once again a database person, so I used to provide a trigger warning before my show. I stopped doing that because of the fact that it turns out you actually hurt people who've been traumatized more by providing trigger warnings than by not. Do you think it's like a, a psychological thing where like if you, if you have, like you said, a, a trigger warning where they like they, they get that in their head, they're like, oh, um, something's gonna happen that I'm gonna get upset about. And they're just like through the whole show, they're like waiting for it to happen. For, and when it happens, it's like even way harder because they're, like, they're kind of already expecting it. Yeah, unfor and that's that's kind of what the study found. Unfortunately, it, it is a uh, pushing in in the person who's been traumatized mind the aspect of their of, of, of being a victim more than encouraging an empowerment because they focus so much on the side of how they how they were a victim of whatever horrible trauma occurred and they end up getting focused on that piece versus focusing on the way to be able to try to overcome it and people have to overcome things on their own time scales and their own time frames so you don't want to force someone to, to deal with something too soon, but it, it ended up turning out on a base level was actually not encouraging them to be able to move forward. It was actually setting them backwards instead. Yeah. Did you watch, uh, did you watch the, by the time the, the Dave Chappelle special? Sticks and Stones? Yeah. No, I was, I was uh, up on that route. the very end, all the way to the very, very yeah. end? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, so you did a commentary when, uh, it was interestingly, uh, Daphne, the person, the, the um, uh, person who speaks about. Uh, I saw some of her comments because she was over on Reddit yeah. on some comment threads on that and um, over on Facebook. So it's kind of interesting to see her, to, that she is a real person, not just from the, the photos, but also to see her actual put comments on it online as well. Do you know her? No, I don't know her. But she was comment so she was on, she was commenting on Reddit. She, she herself was actually commenting on Reddit and commenting on some Facebook threads I saw. So I haven't met her. I haven't seen her. But it's one of those things where people will sometimes be like, oh, well, he's just, this is just a foil. It's not an actual person. He made this up to justify what he's doing. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the trans, uh, trans woman. Uh, but she's real. She exists. That photograph is really a real person, and that real person was sharing their uh, real follow-up thoughts on it, which is, in, you don't usually get to see that um, in comedy, where you see the person who they're talked about uh, later on being able to respond, and not in just some sort of outraged way. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Actually provide context. One thing that, like, I was going to say, like, when, when um, he was talking about how that lady walked out and she was crying, and she was like, I was raped. And he was like, you know, I'm sorry, it's not your fault. And he was like, but it's not my fault either. <laughs> yeah, and that's... Uh, that's, uh, that's a good example of, like, um, somebody just hearing something get triggered all of a sudden and then walking out of the comedy club. And... Uh, you know, it is sad that that happened, but obviously she had not overcome that situation in herself. Yeah. Uh, so there's still traumatic effects that are happening to her, um, which I'm not saying like it's, she needs to go see a therapist, but I mean, it would help if some people discuss things. I feel like that uh, when a person does get more offended by something, <clears throat> because they haven't fully been able to acknowledge it within themselves. Well, one of the pieces I had to cut for the talk from time, but 
once again, go back to the, the comedy club is a safe space for the comedian. We're not coming into your house. Um, you know, I, my personal rule is if I'm going over to someone else, if, I, if you're hiring me for something, if you come over to, uh, if I go over to your house and you ask me to take off my shoes, I will do it. If you come over to my house and tell me, sorry, fuck you, no. But if you come over to my house and tell me I need to take off my shoes, like you, that would be crazy. It would be. And so, yeah. So you know, if, if you're coming over to someone's house, uh, you know, you respect the rules. But the comedy club is a comedian's house. Unfortunately, with how many horrific things happen, we do need to fix the underlying issue. But how many horrific things happen, though? If you're in a crowd of 200 people. Statistically, um, I can tell you in, in Utah, I know it's one out of five children uh, in Utah is abused. To this day is the current statistics that oh, we're trying to fix that. But that means that if you're talking about your experience of being abused as a child, 20% of the audience statistically is going to have been abused. And odds are one of the people has not worked through it. Um, cutting off a public dialogue of a, of a topic is not going to be useful. Um, to, 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 say, to save the one person who hasn't been able to work through it yet. It's, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but when they're coming into, into your house, I mean, ideally, you're writing material that isn't punching down, but the context of it is not, you know, glorifying the abuser, it's not glorifying the, the aggressor, um, and it's just discussing it or, and ideally giving power to the person who had been um, victimized or attacked. But to, to completely cut it off, you, there's, always, there's almost always in any large situation going to be someone who was a victim of whatever topic you're talking about. And so that's where I look at the context versus banning a topic. Because you're not, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately you're not going to, I would say statistically as horrific as it is discussing. And the reason I, I Discussed right full soul is not just because of one of the major things, but because you know, I was lost as a child for six years. Like, I'm technically a sexual assault survivor. It's very different. I would definitely say child molestation is very different from, uh, you know, an adult woman being sexually assaulted. Uh, but there's a similar dynamic in the sense of losing power and, and having that taken away from you and having someone abuse you in that way. But, you know, odds are if I talk about that being molested on stage, uh, there's going to be someone who is sexually assaulted because of how frequent it is and because we haven't solved that issue, hopefully we will, unfortunately probably not soon, um, there's going to be someone who probably within the last year or two has been sexually assaulted in the audience. Sometimes if, if they're not ready to deal with it in a humorous way, that might hurt them. Uh, I know some comics that prefer to just avoid any topic that might potentially cause someone to get distracted from their show. I take the different approach where I want to hopefully use the humor and have the person go, hey, you know what, even if this isn't my exact situation, you know, maybe I can regain some control in what happened. And they, they need to do that on their own timetable when they're ready to, but hopefully at least they see that there's an alternative perspective where they could regain some power because they can't change the past. And there's a, a type of therapy commonly used with soldiers, it's called ACT, A-C-T, and it's a acceptance and commitment therapy. Soldiers who have, have watched their buddies die and watched horrible things happen, they can't change that. So essentially what the main therapy that they use over at the VA is, is we can't change it. How do we accept what happened and kind of move on from that? And so that's kind of what, what the humor approach I use is it's the, the acceptance and, okay, this happened. We can't change it. 
we can try to change it, uh, the culture so that it doesn't happen to anyone else, but I can't change what happened to me, so how do I accept that, move it on, and then discuss it pub publicly so it gets brought up. So we are discussing it, but also in a way that um, isn't just a complete sadness. That we can actually have a little positive twist on it. It's like, um, it's like when those people who have, uh, who they'll write like books and whatnot about the, how the, the tragedy that they went through. And you got that way of discussing it, yeah. you know, the more serious and deep and kind of dark, and then you kind of go through it and you kind of feel like fucking human race is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> or you can go the opposite way, like the way you're trying to, you try and bring it up and lighten it show that there's a positive thing at the end and that um, you can you know, I guess make laugh make jokes about it but make it not seem so down yeah. so some people and people need that people, people some people want the darker side some people want the lighter side um, it's just it's like, <laughs> I guess uh, it's hard to let people know what you're what style of comic you are? Maybe they need to do a little research before they go see your shows. That's but the, that's the ideal. But uh, look, I think like they should just give you a chance because it's 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 very it is it is a hard topic to talk about, and the fact that you've been able to come through everything that you had to and you can do it your way is pretty fucking amazing. And um, unfortunately, you do get enough. I, the reason I have two separate tours that it was because there are enough people who don't research what they're going to it's, it's a very I would say at least half of all audiences um, half of all people in the audience have done zero research uh, I I mean there because a lot of comedy clubs uh, I use clubs in quotation marks it's like one-nighters or things uh, or smaller clubs they'll just be like a sign that says comedy this weekend or something like that or come see the comedy show and you know they might have a picture of the comedian up and maybe like a one paragraph bio which bios are never great uh, it never really tells you much it tells you what the person was on but I know people who have a credit on Last Comic Standing and their credit on Last Comic Standing was that they got mocked by the guys who were the judges and that's it but people don't they just see Last Comic Standing like oh you must be good yeah Meanwhile, it was about how they had the worst set possible. I saw your bio, and I started reading. I was just like, oh. I started getting dizzy. How much shit? Like, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, so I, and I have two different. So I, have, I sent you two. There's the short bio and the long bio. Because, like, usually I'll have one that's, like, 100 words or less, and the one that's a longer one if they want a longer version. Uh, but, yeah, so this And the bios really don't tell you too much most of the time in the quick little one paragraph on there. People usually won't even watch a clip of the comedian. They might know the name, but unless the person's famous, which most comedians traveling around aren't famous enough uh, that, that you would just instinctively know their type of humor off the, the top of their head. And so the people will just show up and to me it's the equivalent of showing up at a movie theater and being like, hey, just give me one ticket for anything. I have a good sense of theater. As long as it's good, uh, good theater, I will enjoy it. And then being really angry that Quentin Tarantino is more violent than Finding Nemo. So that's essentially what a lot of people do when they show up at a comedy club. They're like, listen, I have a good sense of humor. As long as it's funny, I'll like it. So they just show up and they're like, just give me a ticket. And they don't bother doing any research. And then it's like, oh, it turns out that Bill Hicks is very different from Brian Regan. You know, Jerry Seinfeld and George Carlin have a wide gap between the two of them. And it's exactly the same as Quentin Tarantino and, and you know, like, Finding Nemo is that, that huge divide. Yeah, it's exactly like the movie theater. Like, if you go to see a movie 
and let's just say they don't tell you what movie it is. You say, like, yeah, I'll just buy a ticket to any movie. It doesn't matter. And you go in there, and fucking, yeah, you're walking into, uh, what was that movie that Tarantino made? <laughs> with uh, Django Unchained? Yeah, Django Unchained. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell is this? Like, and you can enjoy both. both. I mean, there's, there's some people that enjoy both, both but I also know that my mom, mom uh, who's Jehovah's Witness and super uh, religious and conservative, would not want to see that movie. Um, and so there is a certain point where if, if someone's being brought in, the impetus, when, when an audience member walks out because they're like, oh, that was, that was too dirty, there's... I really feel like the impetus is on them because you have come to a mass group setting and you're the one that didn't do the research. The comedian can't research 100 individual audience members in advance because they don't know who's coming. But the website, usually most comedians will have a website and some clips you can watch online where you can get a sense of who they are and know what they're coming to. And there's a lot of people that will still just not bother even looking at a YouTube clip, which is once again very bizarre to me because you don't know who it is. All you know is it's broad comedy. Uh, but then you show up and, and they're like, oh, that's not my style of comedy. Sorry, that one is on you. Um, and so that's why I have two different tours. I have one that's the Suicide Note tour where I make sure it's very specifically marketed. People know that the show I'm to show called My Suicide Note. First of all, if you show up to that and you're like, oh, there's too many suicide jokes, you had a warning. Like, I don't know what you were expecting. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I deliberately do it on off nights where people normally wouldn't show up. So we make so anyone that's coming is coming because they want to see that show. They're not just showing up for comedy. And then I do a, a normal hour stand-up for any of your normal club dates where people are going to just come up to see comedy. So, you, so in terms, you pretty much have two different sets, and you created both of those. Uh, how did you, like, where, where did you start, start like, where you're like, I need to start breaking left off or did you like initially know hey I'm gonna wanna start doing these on um, one section and start doing this other like stuff on a se- separate section or did you like like come to a point where you're like I need a where you had already done both of them kind of and then you start separating slowly so uh the suicide note was not originally a planned show I wrote an actual suicide note and uh, published in advance for uh, attempts two through five and the problem is as a comedian, you tend to write jokes in everything you're doing, like even my suicide note, I was writing jokes in there, and I'm like, fuck, well, this is either going to become my actual suicide note, or maybe it'll become a show. Um, so, I, one of the weird things is, the suicide note show has enough material in it that I can just do on a normal stage. I usually do about half an hour of it and just slide it into my normal hour now. I used to, they were very different shows, but now I just love the dark jokes so much, I'll slide them in. I just can't do the full narrative uh, 90 minutes of walking everyone through, but I can still do the material about my uh, ex getting uh, a, a question mark on a pregnancy test. I can still do uh, jokes about uh, a different ex uh, and how she doesn't like me doing material about her on stage. I can So there's a lot of different pieces that I can do. I can do the jokes about uh, not liking blowjobs because my first one was a bad experience because I was 14, half black and flexible. So like, <laughs> I can still do those those suicide note <laughs> jokes in a normal set. Those what does flexibility have to do with you? I sucked my own cock. I oh. sucked my own <laughs> cock. That's why it matters. That's why it was a bad hey, experience. It Those kids in school yeah. that did it. And, yes. and I was all like, right, this guy Every guy tries. There's this I, guy named Stoner. And there was a rumor that he could do stuff to himself. And I was like, hey, Stoner, is that true? He's like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
up. It's, it's about one in two hundred men uh, is able to able to do it. I was one of them, and it's, so I can do jokes like that. That's mm-hmm. part of the Suicide Note show. So I was originally I just wrote the Suicide Note, and then I started decided I wanted to work it into a show. Um, and so I literally I, I split it off, and I figured out I won't, I knew that I couldn't just do it all. At, I couldn't just write it and do it because you kind of need to refine mm-hmm. things in comedy. So. I, I would start taking chunks of it, and I would I went back to doing the open mic scene. I I hadn't done open mics for eight nine years, and I went back to doing open mics so that I could test new material. I like Benjamin Button the entire thing, and was like, okay, well I'm going to be doing this headline date, and then the other four days in between, I'm just going to stay in this city. I'm going to test at open mics, and so I I would break it off, and I would I built everything so that it was like three to seven minute sections I could actually do on a normal stage and test. The trick is having 90 minutes of dark jokes in a row. You do need people to be prepared for that. You can do a three to seven minute set of dark jokes in the middle of a normal set and it's fine. But having 90 minutes in a row uh, is a little rougher. So I I built it. It's all material that you can do at a normal show in a normal five minute set. And then you just market it so that people know they're coming to an entire uh, 90 minute show of just very, very, very dark jokes. And then uh, a light blowjob joke in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's... That's kind of how that got built, and I, like I said, I tour it separately. Um, I premiered it, and the very first time I did it, I would basically stitch together all the pieces. There was a few small pieces I hadn't done before because there's there's a few moments that don't have jokes. If you've seen uh, any of Michael Bigley's specials oh, that I he has on Michael Netflix, it's um, there's a few moments, and I I very first. Uh, when I before I premiered it, I would, I'd written it all and it was almost all set to go. I swung out and I made sure to talk to Christopher Titus, who's kind of the king of a 90-minute uh, special, and to ask him some things and to yeah, get a few so cool. quick pieces of advice from him. And he definitely, 100%, there's always jokes. There's no 20 seconds that he doesn't have jokes going on. But Bigley will have a little bit more dips, and so I have some of those dip sections, and you can't really test a... 45 second dip on a five minute set that's as a comedian you want to have a lot of jokes um so there's a few pieces i couldn't test which were nerve-wracking to do it the first time but they've worked out fine uh now looking back i don't know why i was nervous to not talk about my mom getting gang raped as a child and having that 45 second dip no, I'm sure I could have. Yeah, yeah. That's, in, in advance, I'm like, oh, how am I going to make this funny? Uh, which is a weird. But then I, I was able to figure out the way to to address that was by addressing the fact that I can't make it funny. Like there is no. It's because once again, going back to punching down or punching up, that's not my pain to joke about. And so the joke becomes how I can't joke about it, and it becomes my reflection of how that affects me and how finding that out affects me. It's not about my mom being gang raped, because that's that would be punching down. So that's once again the context of, I'm sure there's someone who's had a horrible experience like that in their life that might not have dealt with it. And so the context is not going after that or trying to uh, make light of what happened to them. It's discussing my personal experience of how finding out that happened to my mom affected me. Because that is, anytime you find something like that, it is going to cause an effect on you. And then yeah. you can talk about your own effect and how it affected you. And that's where the joke comes in. Okay. That's yes. why you're a well-seasoned comic. That's why I'm like still struggling on how to make this that's, show funny. Yeah, that's how you, that's how you discuss the. That's I, I. You guys have you have a rule written on our podcast rules of don't say rape, which makes sense because as a newer comic, you usually deal with it very indelicately. Mm-hmm. And even as uh, somebody 
was writing the show 10 years in, trying to figure out how to approach something like that um, in, in an appropriate way was difficult. But after enough years, enough time, sometimes you do it correctly, sometimes you, you have the entire internet angry at you instead. So it's even experienced comics make mistakes. I, uh, I had a, a premise of it that I had been working on. I did at two different showcases. And it was about the Michael Jackson uh, Netflix special that had came out. And the premise was that how I try to see the positive side of everything and how, you know, some of them, you know, were became like really famous dancers or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think one time it worked really well, but the next time I, I added a couple things. Uh, I was saying, I guess I made it too personal because I talked about how uh, my experience of, of being as a child and how, you know, how I didn't get anything out of it except for a drug habit and alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And it, it did not do well with the crowd. I think it was too, I don't know if it was too interpersonal and, and they just, yeah, it just became too real. Yeah, I think a lot of, yeah, it became too real for them. Part of that gets to delivery, part of that gets to figuring out how to build it into a set and not, sometimes you have to figure out how you can lead in and uh, a lot of times it's, with a longer show, you're like, okay, I know I'm gonna slowly build down this path where we get darker and darker and darker because if you just try to go from like a normal joke over to the child molestation joke, it does not work well. They're not expecting that. Uh, and unless unless you have that, unless that is your pattern, like Anthony Justin like can do that because that is his pattern. That's what yeah. he does. But your average comic, the people who are like what the because one of the jokes I tell on the show was one I used to try to just throw into a set, and it didn't do well. But now in the show it does well because of where it's built in, and it's also kind of I've I've warned them we're building darker and darker and darker, and then we hit this. It's a really dark joke. Uh, and then I also get to then use that as once again commentary. Sometimes when people start going, "Oh, you can use that as commentary," like, "Listen, this is what we're in for. This is what we agreed to. Like, this is a dark show. Buckle up. It's going to get darker." Yeah. And in that moment of realization, where people, where you say that, people, you get another extra laugh off of it because people are like, "Oh, that's right. This is okay." And, and it's going to get worse. <laughs> oh my goodness, how much worse can it get? Like, <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, I love that. Yeah. I love when I hear that. Like, hey, man. Yeah, it's like this uh, is just the beginning. Yeah, man. it's like we haven't heard holy shit. Yet. Sh- like, what happened in your life if child molestation is not the darkest thing? Like, yeah. what is how dark? We, and so you can actually end up building extra laughs into it. But you got to lead into it and and have people. You can't just be like go from like a set at like a bit about puppies and then like so I was molested as a kid. Unless that is also your pattern of yeah. like when was and Jessel, like where you go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny that you brought up Mike Birbiglia. I think his Walk With Me special was oh, yeah, sleepwalk with me, super yeah. amazing. And, and is, is that what it's called, Walk With Me? Yeah, Sleepwalk With Me. Yeah. Sleepwalk With Me. It actually yeah. turned into a movie. That it was an independent film. It was fantastic as well. It's a movie? Yeah, he made, a, he made a movie about it. I didn't know it was a movie. Yeah. Why haven't they checked that shit out, man? I'm it's, it was on, on the indie film uh, circuit. It was, uh, it was really good. I'm pretty sure you can find it online. Oh, yeah. Find oh, it yeah. online. But, like, that was one of the <clears throat> specials where I... I like I, I expire one of my comedy to kind of be like because it was an amazing just the way the story of it was just amazing and <clears throat> I would, I'm not gonna say that he's like one of the reasons I wanted to do comedy mm-hmm. but it sure was a, an aspiration to, to, to be able to draw in an audience like that and to just be so complete and it was just fucking cool and yeah, yeah. a lot of 
there's, there's a great it, the, the fact he's able to get interpersonal and also the I love so my my show has a story arc to it um, and yeah, man, Christopher Titus's sure. uh, Norman Rockwell's Bleeding Loves Evil have these beautiful story arcs to them and when you have something that, that people can follow all the way through it becomes uh, it, it becomes you get a, a much better connection with the audience versus just doing a standard hour of, yeah. of jokes um, you know I do a standard hour and after the show, you know, people might be like, oh, that was a really great show, that was so funny, and I'll weigh out, they might, you know, want to buy a t-shirt or something like that, but when I do the Suicide Note show, I, the connections that you end up getting with people, I have people send me paragraph, paragraph long Facebook messages, or we'll talk for an hour after the show about really deep personal things, because I've opened up to them, and we've actually had a connection, they've yeah. actually followed along, and so they end up opening up back to me, and uh, some of the most interesting conversation that I, I, I literally spent, I think it was six hours talking with some audience members after one show, and we just we just chatted till like uh, like 1 a.m. in the morning, and you get to have those sort of conversations and because you connect with people through that interpersonal long piece versus yeah. just being like, hey, that was a great joke about, uh, you know, the president. Mm -hmm. like it's a much, it's, a, it's more fulfilling also as a comic to be able to do it that way, let's say. Yeah. Um, I would, I would, I would imagine that like, <clears throat> like that style is where like you do have people saying that you could like not change their life, but like really made an effect in their life, and, and that's pretty awesome, man. It's, some people be like, "Oh, that's funny! It's the funniest special ever," or be like, "That that was hilarious," but it also made me open up myself and made me rethink some things, or maybe be able to talk about it a little bit more. Some change people's lives for. There, there have been some people who have changed, uh, and it's, uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's probably long-term for the better. I was just doing a show, um, and afterwards, someone came up to me, and he, like there was a look of just disbelief and like shattered on his face, yeah. and he was like, so when you're talking about this stuff with your, your relationship, I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. Like, and he like he was watching this person who like started reevaluating their entire relationship and realizing that the relationship they were in right then yeah. was not a healthy relationship, based off of the stories I told about the really screwed up things that happened in my previous relationship. So it, it changed his life. I mean, hopefully it's for the better <laughs> in the sense that they get out of a bad relationship. You mean you're not supposed to get punched just, every night before yeah, you go to bed? Yeah, no, it's like I've had like dildos thrown in my head, like all sorts of things, um, like. Uh, <laughs> And those things are fucking aerodynamic. They, yeah. start, they get that wind t that <laughs> turning. And like, I've had exes like, who've hacked into my emails and like, gone through all my messages yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and so stuff like that. And watching someone have that moment of like, realization of like, oh, okay. I'm like, that's probably hopefully for the better. And that's something you don't, you don't get like a normal comedy show is usually you don't have that like, life changing relation of like, oh, man, my, my entire life was messed up. I should probably deal with that stuff. And hopefully they deal with it. I I haven't done a follow up to see. Unfortunately, I talk to so many people after shows, but experiences like that, you yeah. can't follow up with everyone. I know I've been able to help a few people um, directly with uh, with getting their with, with directing them towards resources. I don't know. I can't fix people's lives, but I've collected now a bunch of resources where I'm like, oh hey, if you're having this problem, check out this place. It's fantastic. Or, you know, go uh, check out. Uh, I always love recommending to people. Uh, some hospitals have what are called access centers. They're not, they're not in ER and they're not a psych ward, they're like an in-between. Mm -hmm. So literally you show up and it's just mental health evaluation. They don't absolutely hold you. 
So it's not like you're doing like an inpatient stay. You just go there, a professional will evaluate you, they'll like have you kick out for around like up to 24 hours is kind of the general time frame. And you get to have a professional say, hey, maybe you should be in the hospital. Or they'll go, hey, you know what, you're having a really bad day. Um, here's what we're gonna do, we've got you set up. Normally it takes like a month and a half to get in the therapist, but usually they can be like, hey, we got you set up with a new therapist, you can see them this week. You have you set up with a psychologist, and we got you on these meds, and you're good to go. So it kind of provides a lot of people who are afraid to go to the hospital because like, I don't want to be stuck in a you know, crazy psych ward, but access centers, you show up there, and number one, you're not the one who has to make the decision about how well you are. You let trained professionals do that, and most of the time, you don't have to do a long stay, and it's about the same price as an ER visit. So I direct so many people over to those things where I'm like, hey, if you're, if you're having a rough time, just go check it out. Like, it's it's not a huge commitment. Uh, I think, well, I'm not saying I think. I, I feel like a lot of issues people have is just they don't know how to ex discuss it with somebody. And, and a lot of times they just need to just talk somebody to talk to and just have the person listen and not always be like, and not and know that they're not going to be judged in what they're saying. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that would, that, that, that right there helps a lot of people out if they just use it. The problem is, you know, the hate, the stupid saying, you can't bring a horse to water or whatever, but you know, it's, yeah, it's communication between human beings. And that's the, the access centers usually do a therapist and a psychologist uh, or psychiatrist review to, you you have to talk to, to people. Do you have any thoughts on, on um, psychedelics being used for therapy? So I am once again a very big fan of fact-based uh, things. So there, there have been, uh, there's been research into uh, things like microdosing. Now they've found long-term uh, microdosing actually has some issues of uh, potentially uh, increasing psychosis. The same thing can actually happen with long-term marijuana use. Um, as, as a main treatment for, for depression. So I usually don't recommend them um, based on science. Uh, MDMA, uh, the actual chemical structure, not Molly. Molly is usually not chemically pure, but MDMA was really used in uh, psychiatric practitioner. So they're, they're re-exploring that as a potential with very small doses. I wouldn't recommend doing it just on your own to try to fix yourself. But potentially that's gonna come back. I'm excited to see MDMA possibly come back into the medical field. Uh, ketamine has just been approved as a nasal spray, and they've been using ketamine treatments, which are fantastic for a lot of people. That's technically not a psychedelic, but special K is what people knew on the street. Yeah. And so through correct usage administration, it's kind of like anything. Um, you got to have the right, for, for medicine, you got to know the right doses. Yes. So I usually, I'm not going to be like, hey, you just go out on the street and try mushrooms and it'll fix everything. <laughs> like even if, even if you're doing these things, even if they're using them in medical practice, they make sure there's the correct dosage. I took, I took, I took some shrooms. I like to take shrooms, uh, but I like to take in the past, in the past, you, you, uh, yeah. <laughs> have, but you don't do that ever anymore. No, no, no. Uh, in the past, I, you know, I, I took, I took them when I went to Colorado and I went on a hike. And yeah, and that's legal in Denver. Um, Alana took some shrooms and she had way opposite experience. She did not have a good time, but <laughs> so yeah, for her, it, she realized it's not a thing for her. It affects her mind totally different than yeah. affects my mind. And that's um, the same thing. Even antidepressants, you got to find the right one. So there's no, unfortunately, there's not like a magical fix-all for everyone. Uh, I think ketamine is kind of the closest one they've found so far. Yeah, I've heard people. MDMA has been really good for people who have uh, who are dealing with. Um, or, or about ready to like to, to let's just say die like they find out they have cancer and 
they've been using MDMA to treat them for they'll take it the acceptance and yeah. yeah they'll accept it and they will they they change their whole view on it and I haven't done much research on it I just heard from what other people have said about other on other podcasts and uh, I can totally see how that would do because I've done quite a bit of MDMA back in my day <laughs> and it's because the way that it structures in the brain the the, the release of uh, mm-hmm. of the dopamine or dopamine serotonin and so yeah that's, it's that's and that's where you use the right thing for, for the right thing, and you don't just try to randomly try every drug on the street. Because uh, yeah. we saw how that worked with Courtney Love and Lindsay Lohan, and I'll tell you, they're, they're, they're certainly not mentally healthy. Unfortunately, so. they didn't. They're still alive. <laughs> yeah, for, fortunately, fortunately, they're still alive. Fortunately, they're still alive and just running their beach club in Mykonos. Oh, my goodness, Courtney Love Lindsay Lohan, like what you said? Yeah, yeah Lindsay Lohan, she has a beach club in Mykonos. I know because I made the mistake of telling my girlfriend there was a reality TV show about it, and so she insists we watch every goddamn episode oh, of Lindsay Lohan's beach club. Yeah, that's a mistake. The worst part is, she started watching it ironically, and then she really got emotionally invested. I was like, God damn it. I don't care who was fired this week. You know, it's just all fake, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it is, whatever. It's like you deal with that with your regular life. Why would you want to? I never understood that. I, I, I don't understand reality TV because I watch TV to get away from reality. Mm-hmm. I don't watch it so that I can see other people being their shitty reality and then... It's, it's, it's a manufactured reality. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. A lot of it's fake and a lot of it's drama. But anyway... Um, Really quick, before you last 15, uh, do you have a restroom? As, yeah, uh, yeah. As, I can do 90 minutes, and that's when my bladder is like, okay, we're done with the show, right? Okay, none, okay. I'll be right back. He's going to fill you in about uh, the wonderful sponsors. Yeah, the wonderful sponsors here. Uh, it's the first store on your right. Right, yeah, first on your right. I have roommates. Sorry about the bathroom. <laughs> Uh, well, wow, this is really an amazing podcast. Yes, a lot of information, good information coming in. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, definitely going to watch this one again, because... Yeah. Yes, there's a, a lot of information uh, for up-and-coming comedians. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a lot of information for up-and-coming comedians, but there's a lot of information on... Well, yeah, I guess it is. On, on ways to look at your we really shouldn't be facing the cameras in the between the shows I know I understand but <clears throat> um, I didn't realize how fidgety we'll yeah I'm always fidgety we'll uh, we'll finish it up by ask, by talking about any kind of promos he wants to do um, we're working what's that disconnected why Bases that haven't been covered. I don't know. We've covered everything from, from Spider-Man to uh, sexual assault. 
Which I feel like Uncle Ben might have been a little too close to Peter Parker. I'm not sure. No, I'm just you gotta yeah, have Sean to make a good superhero. superhero. You do. I'm, I'm waiting for my superhero powers. powers. I've got, got the backstory. backstory. Mm-hmm. Got all the backstories needed. Although, Although there's, there's, there's a wonderful thing about. Um, I always love getting to talk to people who have had more extreme trauma because it always gives me perspective. Yeah. Like when I was uh, still writing my show, I ran into someone. I was like, Oh my god. I feel horrible in my life. Uh, so Vision Homes when you kicked out, like you lose all of your friends, everything like that. Uh, I was uh, had breakups ahead, you know, uh, being less of a child, all this different stuff. And then I ran into this other comic who had also, he was, he was uh, barely kicked out of, of the church, so he just barely lost everyone. Um, but he grew up at, in Burundi, which is the second poorest country in the world. It's an African nation. And he had to flee, uh, he like grew up in a war zone and had to flee to the U.S. as a refugee. And I was like, you taught me there. You know what, I actually don't, my life's not that bad anymore. That's okay. There's always somebody who's like way more. There's always someone who's worse off than you. So talking to those people makes me feel good. I'm like, I got this. Yeah, it's, I kind of feel like it's, it's a, like in the fighting stance, like you're all, there's always going to be someone who's better at you in fighting. Like and there's always going to be somebody who's had more traumatic effects in you. Yeah, and, and it's it's like <laughs> it's interesting to meet those people. You definitely get an understanding of, of what the one. Here's here's what the more part is interesting how they came out of that and still are like um, a positive person. <laughs> that's the that's the part right there. that's interesting. It's really like you went through all that and then look at you. You're you're you're. Uh, you didn't let none of that stuff get to you, and you're still you came out an amazing person. Yeah. Um, I, I sometimes hope that maybe some people who come to my show have that feeling at the end. They're like, yeah. "Oh shit, my life wasn't that bad." You know, and he's still kicking around. I kind of, I kind of feel like, you know, we have all these mass shootings of people who who didn't go through stuff like that. <laughs> it's like maybe we should figure out what's going on there. That's one. That's one of my. That's actually. One of the opening jokes of my show. I, I figured out the first five minutes I built in is like a justification of like, hey, like we can all relax and chill. It's gonna be fine. One of them is like, I think we can all agree if every single school shooter hit uh, a comedy open mic instead of an open gun range, like the world would be a much better place. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, worst case scenario, they bomb at the open mic. They come back next week, shoot that place up, and I'm willing to trade a room full of like kids for open mic comedians. Like, save the school, kill some open mic comics. I've, I've been to way too many open mics. Like. People, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people there, there that, like, in the middle of the open mic, they're like, I wish someone would just fucking shoot this place up so that we can end this thing. Uh, open mics, open mics are so brutal. Yeah, yeah they can be so incredibly, I, anyone who attends a, man, when, I, open mic's when I saw you on stage, I was like, this dude is not a new guy. This guy knows what he's doing. I could clearly tell that you were experienced. That's why I was like, I need to go talk to him real quick. <laughs> Uh, and I'm so glad that I did. And <clears throat> it's funny because, like, a while ago, I wouldn't even thought about talking to you because I'd be like, I'm so. I would stop myself, be like, no, you know, I. And then I've gotten to that point where I was like, no, just, just ask. Well, it doesn't matter. Just ask. It never hurts to ask anybody. Um, so when you said, yeah, you do it, and then you're like a 12 year veteran, I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of nervous. <laughs> Cause I don't know. What, I don't know. You're gonna be like, I'm hanging out with this, with this two-year comic at this, you know, this whatever. It's just very. Uh... But then it's also I have I have to have to remember that 
you've been through what I've been through. Yeah. Because yeah. we all, when we started doing comedy, I'm still, obviously, I'm way younger stage than you are, but I, I'm not saying, I, mean, I don't want to talk for you, but I, you know, I, if you do, if you start doing open mics, you understand the, how. Oh, no, I just started out headlining. I just started out headlining. You just started headlining just that I, I, I will say I was lucky enough that uh, four four open mics and I got a recommendation from a, a, a another comic and so I literally did four open mics and I was doing book shows and didn't do open mics for like nine years. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> if I didn't have that reference though, I'd have been fucked. Uh, so thank you, Spencer King, once again. Um, yeah, but yeah, the usually most of the really good comics are. Are nice because we're all. Even if you're, even if you're famous, quote unquote famous. Like first of all, fame go, comes and goes. So they might be famous, or you might be famous in one niche. If you talk to anyone, if you talk to people that play Ingress, like I'm the most famous person in the Ingress world. That's a world of like 500,000 people, and that's spread across the entire globe. So that's Niantic's uh, first game from before Pokemon Go. Oh, okay. So once again, it's that's right. You said that. Yeah, it's also love how. My, My thing is, is if you have to explain to someone why you're famous, you're not famous. That's why I don't give a shit about credits. Like, people will say credits when comics are walking up on stage. If you don't already know the person, like, it might be it might be momentarily impressive that they were on this television show, but if they go up and they don't make you laugh, you don't care that they were on True TV's Dumbest Criminals. Because yeah, they yeah. didn't make you laugh. And if you didn't know they were on True TV's Dumbest Criminals before, why do you... Like, it's 15 seconds that you care, and then it's gone. Um, but... The, the, night, the people that are in the higher levels have worked there, and they've usually slogged through years and years. Before Dane Cook was famous, he was in comedy for eight years. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy was known as Dan Whitney originally. Yeah, he was, that was he like, worked that's a persona, years. right? The, yeah, Larry the Cable Larry Guy the was like something. So all of these people have worked a lot of years, and the worst case scenario, I think, you know, you ask someone, and someone says no. Unless you're really, like, a dick about it afterwards, then then they'll remember you. Otherwise, <laughs> they're, they're not going to... They're not going to remember. They're not going to be. Even if they bitch about you, like it'll be like ten seconds, and then they forgot because they have other things that, are, uh, that they're going to be doing. And then on the alternate side, uh, I always think when people ask, you can, you, you can say no, but there's always that theory of like no with a number. Is yeah. from a sales perspective, rather than saying, always just saying no. If someone asks you something like, uh, I, you know, I can't do that unless you can pay me X amount, and then you're rejecting them nicely. But the worst case scenario is whatever that that number is, if they they're willing to pay it, like for a show, like let's say that uh, a, a Christian conservative church asked me to do a show to do a show, and I don't, there's a few like I wouldn't do the Westboro Baptist Church just out of morals, like yeah. I wouldn't do that or a Klan rally out of morals. But <laughs> come on, do a Klan rally. Why not? <laughs> Actually, I would do that just for I would do that for me, and I would Look, do you guys all me, of just... the material about how white people are just shitty and fucking up the world. Like, that's all I would do. Just only for Klan. I would write an hour just for Klan rallies about how horrible white... I don't have an hour about how horrible white people are, but I will write that for the Klan. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, most of the time, like, let's say I wouldn't normally want to do a Christian conservative church. Rather than saying, no, I'm not going to do your show, I'd be like, uh, you know, in order to keep that day open, um, I might have another show that we paid. If you guys can pay me, like, you know, $2,000, then I'll, I'll do your show on that day. And if, they're willing to, if they say yes for two, then you have two grand. So, you know, that yeah. way either you've nicely rejected them it puts the impetus over on them of like, oh man, he's willing to do it, but we have to compensate him. Mm-hmm. So I always, I'm not a big fan of no. It's like, say no with a number if you don't want to do it. Just be like, well, thank you for not making me pay you. 
Hey, I got a bottle of water imported all the way from Niagara. This is a, a brand established in 1963. Uh, yeah, one of our official water drink of the podcast. A, yeah, it's a well-established <laughs> and proven. And if I drive to Oregon right now, I can get a 10-cent refund on the bottle. So there you go. Oh, wow. Wait, wait, wait. Are they giving refunds on, on bottles if you return them? Oregon has a bottle deposit. Why doesn't every state do that? It's uh, it, it depends on the state. Uh, I grew up in Oregon, so I know about Oregon's well. I just I grew up in Iowa, in Davenport, and now that I remember, they had a thing where you return cans yeah, and get five cents. Yeah. They should do the same thing, but um, and that's like. So, yeah, you get charged up front for it. And Don't you mansplain get it back. that to me. So that's, <laughs> she can't mansplain. She's a woman. It's, Is she, though? It's one of my <laughs> one of my favorite horrible jokes that my girlfriend hates with a passion, but I will do it every time. What? Every single time she starts talking, she's like, uh, starts saying something about mansplaining. Yeah. I will go, okay, Google, define mansplaining. And Google's voice is a woman, so I make a woman explain mansplaining to my girlfriend. <laughs> She hates it because I've done it like twenty times now. But for me, it's fun every single time. I, I, I hate that term mansplaining too because it's like, well, I'm trying, to, I'm just trying to explain something. The fact that I'm a man is something that I can't control. Yeah, I, I would. I'm always like, I would have explained it to a dude too. People are just stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's. No, no, honey, I don't think you're stupid. I think everybody's stupid. That's, yeah, everybody's dumb for that. Uh, there's so many new words that are terms that are used now that are like just ridiculous. Like. Um, Unfortunately, we overuse them. We become too hot button and they become annoying instead of yes, being appropriate. Yes. Uh, what else did I want to bring up real quick before we call, before we break it to the end? Because I got a P2, but I might think it's <laughs> I can hold on. Um, you got anything you want to plug? Any shows coming up? Uh, so I, uh, in case anyone's watching this feature, the, the website usually the best place just to go. I'm going to be out uh, in Houston, October 24th through 22nd. is going to be the next time I'm in the Texas area. Uh, I have shows in, in Kansas and Nebraska coming up. I, I travel all around. Uh, literally, I started last month. I, I do horrible schedule booking. I should really do better because I started August. I, I was in Orlando, and the next week I was in Boise, Idaho, and the next week I was in uh, actually sorry, I was in Fort Collins before I was in Orlando, and uh, the week after that I was in I think Durango, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I just ping pong all over the place. I need to do better. Uh, I'll be at the World Series of, of Comedy in, in St. Louis doing one of their alt shows. So yeah. I'm. If you just check the website comiccolin.com, that links over to everything I do. It has mm -hmm. a link over to the TED Talk. It has a link over to the, uh, this, uh, my Suicide Note tour, and I always post the dates on there. It has is, a link is, over to my ingress fork. Is there somewhere where people can watch your Suicide Note tour, or is, they, or is that right now? It's right. something you just have to catch. It's, it is live only right now. At the end, I plan to eventually film it, but right now I want to I want to do it. There's so much, especially with a show like this, having it live it's and to be able to have that connection. There's a connection if you've never been to a live comedy show. Uh, go go to it. It is better than any Netflix special you'll watch. Because oh yeah, it yeah is, definitely. Because you were there and live in that moment, it was something that is so interpersonal and so interconnected. The the feeling to be able to to connect with people in that moment is is so precious. Eventually, we'll film it and then I'll burn it and I'll probably never do that show again. I'll I'll I'm working on writing two more compendium shows afterwards. So I'm right now in the middle of writing my Suicide Note two, and uh, Suicide Note three is is slated and some stuff's being written for that. Oh, at the okay. same time. So originally so it's it was, gonna be like a tr uh, 
what did I do with a, a trilogy? Yeah. There we go. And it's, that's that's the that's the goal. Originally, I just wrote the Suicide Note, and then I was I was writing another show afterwards about um, I want to start writing it about uh, the alternate side. So in Suicide Note, I very much talk about everything that happened to me, but I also then want to address how I've been a dick and the things I've done wrong and how I've hurt other people. I think it's important to acknowledge that. But also I want to acknowledge how we're, we're at a societal moment where we're, we're attacking people for anything they've done wrong. And the I'm very much liberal progressive side. I literally babysat people's current kids so they could get abortions. Like that's how liberal I am. <laughs> that's the only time I babysit is so you can go get an abortion. I guess. I've I've loaned people money so they could get them done. This whole podcast has to be the most fucked up and funny thing out of all these Like uh, yeah, so like that's that's where I sit on on the, on the liberal side. Yeah, um, and that's just true stories. And uh, but so the liberal and progressive side, we really love this idea of there's a thing called ban the box. It's a movement that the idea is once people are out of prison, that shouldn't fall in. You shouldn't have to check a felon box if you've served your time, and we call it serving your time if you've done if you've paid your penance we need to let you have a life we need to let you have a job we need to let you have housing all of those things it's a very progressive ideal it's being pushed very hard in the progressive movement but at the exact same time cancel culture has come about mm-hmm. where it's like you did something wrong you're canceled forever yeah so we have this weird dichotomy so it's that finding that 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 middle ground and the struggle right was about making how we're all human we all make mistakes and admitting my mistake but also acknowledging that we need to have a path to redemption. Yeah. Someone doesn't automatically get it. We don't need to reward it to someone just because they issue a single apology. They need to demonstrate that they've actually worked towards it. But we can't, if we have, if we keep going with cancel culture, we're going to be saying that people are disposable and that there's, that people can forever be written off and we're gonna, we're gonna lose vast swaths of society and ultimately we'll lose ourselves if we are honest about everything that we personally have done because Every single person I know has done something that should get them canceled, quote unquote. So, and we, and then, but also every person I know has also worked. Most of the people I know have worked back and have made pivots, have changed the way that they did things, have changed their thoughts. I was raised Jehovah's Witness. I had, I was raised with very horrible anti-LGBTQ transphobic viewpoints that I had to correct. If you say, well, when you were 18 years old, you didn't recognize trans rights, so you're canceled. My life is so much different than back when I was raised religious. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to work, I had to change, and I do a lot of advocacy and other work uh, for the things that I previously had incorrect viewpoints. I still make mistakes, I still correct them. So that was the idea for the next show. But then uh, I had to shift that to part three because I had to deal with a lot of anger that's left over. It's kind of, you don't immediately go from depression to acceptance. And so now I'm trying to write out the part where I am still angry and address the anger mm-hmm. in that second point. Because a lot of a lot of shit happened after I the first show. Uh, my suicide two's working title is at gunpoint because I've literally been fucking pulled out of my car at gunpoint. Uh, <laughs> oh Thanks wow. to a lying ex. Yeah, that was that's a fun time. Okay. So well, if you ever come back, we're definitely gonna talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. That's once the court dates are over. <laughs> also, gotta finish. I gotta wait What's for my court to finish. Okay, I, yeah, I gotta fin- seriously. I gotta finish some court shit and suing her oh, uh, my before goodness. I can finish writing all that show. Good times. Good you, times. you, 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 you look so nice. I know. But there's like this box it's of all these. All sorts of fucked I, up. I, 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 I will praise your girlfriend right now because you have so much baggage. Oh, yeah. No, she has to be. 
There's a reason she got her tubes tied so we wouldn't have kids. You don't want these genetics. Alana gives me shit about me and she says how much baggage I have. Oh See, no! I'm I'm all of LaGuardia Airport. It's just all the baggage. Uh, also, true. The better looking you are, the more oh, shit comes with you. Because <laughs> you're a handsome man, motherfucker. Oh, thank you um, very much. I'll, well, I was gonna say. I'll so, see okay. if I can use one of my hall passes. I I I, <laughs> I I that is awesome though that you said that about how like um, working out that that box out of box. What's it called again? Well, which one? Uh, uh, the, the the where you come out of jail. Oh, ban the box. box. Yeah, ban the yeah, box. Cause, ban the yeah, because when you that is very true. Supposedly, well, the reason you go to jail is to do your dues, and you come out and you're supposed to introvert, not introvert, but like you know, get back trans trans transition, transition to society, back but. into society. But then there's certain things you can't even do because of that. Mm-hmm. Now maybe the gun one thing is okay. I'm if okay you're, with yeah, that if you're a violent offender, gun, but that's much different. Yeah, than like you can't been proven work at this to job. say you shouldn't have a gun. But like yeah, like jobs. Who who is to say that you did not that your your brain had, had had like so much evolved now to where you're way more capable to have this type of job? Um, fucking, you grow up and what it is, and you change, and but then you're still not allowed to do certain things. Like you're yeah. not allowed to vote. Why? Why? Depending you're, on the state, you're yeah. in society now. You you should be able to 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 help decide what changes in and around you. Because well, it's part of it. It's going to affect you. As rough as voting is, I just look back at the things where if you, if you want someone to integrate into society, you can't push them over. You, I mean, there's so many pieces of housing that you can't live in. You're literally going to create areas where it's just like a, a, a former felon area, and the people that haven't reformed yet, if you congregate people together, then they're, the society they're going to integrate with is going to be just more people that are unhealthy and struggling. Yeah. So if you intersperse people and accept them, and I've, I'm not saying that you shouldn't use um, some necessary caution. So uh, the state of Utah, where I live, uh, for the government positions, they've instituted a ban the box, with the exception of if it's someone who is going to be handling money, uh, then they will check to make sure they don't have a financial crime. Because uh, that, that I, I'll give you a little bit of caution there. Uh, or if they're going to be taking care of children or elderly people, to make sure that they haven't done child abuse or, you know, uh, a violent offenses. So there are a few things that they still check with the vast majority of jobs. Um, yeah, I know, mean, that's understandable. Cause, yeah, because not being able to get a job and not being able to get housing, you're not going to be able to reintegrate into society. Yeah, you're not going to take a guy who has, you know, bestiality and put him to work at a zoo. Yeah, uh, so, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how many bestiality crimes, because uh, bestiality hey, is legal in Texas. Shut up, is it? Yeah. Oh, it is oh, not. They might have just barely banned it recently, but it was up until... You mean I could have been banned game, in my Gay marriage was illegal, but bestiality uh, was, and there was a big thing about that with Texas, where it was like, why can't gay people get married, but you can have sex with cows? <laughs> <laughs> it's getting lonely. It's getting lonely. There's a lot of space in Texas. People are out there. You know, just remember Moo means Moo. That's yeah, yeah. Important. Respect. Respect the cow. If it starts walking away. Moo means Moo. Yeah. That sounded so weird. That's the same. It's the same thing. My, my girlfriend's cat really enjoys being spanked on the butt. Like, yeah, she likes that. But I also have to remember Meow means Meow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Meow means no. It also means yes. I guess what I'm trying to say is cats can't give great consent. So don't have sex with cats. Um. That's your message for the day. Yeah. Incest isn't that bad, you, and don't have sex with cats. If you take anything out of the podcast, take that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a heart. Um, okay. Uh, 
I guess that's all we could say for now. Uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. We'll definitely, if, if you're ever back in town, I would love to have you back on. Um, I'll, I'll hopefully yeah. be swinging. Who won now? Oh, to help him get some gigs? He don't need to help get no gigs. Look how bad it is. You can always use uh, help knowing people. Hopefully, I'll be, like I said, I'll be back uh, in Houston. I'll really have to drive through Dallas area uh, in October, November. So maybe I'll see some some people in the area, hopefully again then. uh, Well, if you're driving through, if you have time, you know, we can have lunch or something and just take a break from driving and if anyone out there wants to have lunch, uh, anybody out there, hit Randy, me up Randy? yeah, hit me up on Randy. the website. Randy wants to hit <laughs> talk about getting some gigs. Uh, okay, uh, good? thanks everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. So long. I'm doing another podcast tomorrow. Tomorrow, the oh. guy that comes on tomorrow, I'm having a, 